Warning, the following podcast contains major spoilers for video games released in 2021. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, gamers? <laughs> yo, 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 yo. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome back. The best podcast in the world. Sponsored by Mountain Dew Code Red. <laughs> Gamer Fuel. Injected in your veins. <laughs> I'm, we're appealing to that Spike TV Game Awards audience. <laughs> I think this is working. Already. Here's a monster off, So far off to a good start. <laughs> uh, Spike TV Game Awards, <laughs> a time when there was so much uh, misogyny and uh, prejudice in the video game industry. It's a good thing we don't have that these days, huh? Yeah. The game industry could do no wrong now. It, We've right. solved all of the problems. We're firing on all cylinders. <laughs> Speaking of firing, Bobby Kotick. Uh, anyway, uh, Brendan. <laughs> Yeah, Nick, what's up? Uh, we're here to do a thing that I think nobody should be surprised about because we've been teasing it for about four or five months. <laughs> yeah. We are here to discuss Talk about deliberate. Kingdom Hearts. We're here to talk about Kingdom Hearts. Were there any Kingdom Hearts games that came out in 2021? I don't think so. No. Thank God. <laughs> uh, we are here to talk about our top Wait, games. actually, yes. There was. Oh, fuck. <laughs> We almost got away from it. All right. What was it? Uh, it was Kingdom Hearts. I believe it's called Dark Road. Uh, it's an expansion for the uh, phone game. An exp- All right. Don't <laughs> do, do not get into any more detail on that. I don't for have any more for God. you. I haven't played it. That's actually really surprising. Um, okay. We are here to talk about our top games of the year 2021. I was going to give us fun nicknames at the top of the show like Nick 117 or Brendan Mario, the third Mario brother. Do you think that's fun? I think that's fun. Yeah. Just to prove our gamer street cred. Yeah. yeah prove we got chops. We we know about these video game. We things. know about these things called games. I've played <laughs> a couple games before. My mom put a few games on the computer. <laughs> I've played Assassin's Creed. Uh, oh, we haven't done that one in a long time. Yeah. Bringing it back. That's one. That's yeah. one for the real G's out there. <laughs> one for the regular listeners of our show where yeah we're here to talk about the games that came out this year um listeners of the samurai jack show that we do will know that many of the references we make are based around video games um we clearly have yeah a deep love i think video games are kind of the thing that first brought you and me together like after we first met at our job that we used to work at. I think so. Yeah, I think we would we would talk about games and bond over it. You had uh, you had a giant Pikachu. That's uh, right. Thing. What are a those detective called? Pikachu, an amiibo. amiibo. Remember amiibos? That's, yeah, I remember amiibos. Um, you had one of those. You had the little link uh, Nendoroid, I believe. That's right. Yep. I still have those bad boys kicking around somewhere. Nice. Um, yeah, well, my desk at work was a garbage pile of video game paraphernalia. Yep. Um, Mine too. Mine that too. <laughs> would, that would continue to grow as people left the company and had like overwatch license plates and stupid shit that I don't want, but they knew that I would take. Yep. And I would never say no. Um, I don't know where a lot of that stuff ended up now. I hope it found a good home. Well, if you find a, an overwatch license plate, I will take that. 
I don't know if it was real. I think it was like a novelty. I don't know. I'll see if I got it <laughs> kicking around somewhere. Um, yeah. Games of the year 2021. It was an interesting year for video games. I feel um, moving into the first full year of the next generation of consoles. Um, I don't know if there are any growing pains when it came to like the quality of the games necessarily, but I feel like um, just dealing with like delays with uh, the big C word that we try not to mention on these podcasts enough mm-hmm. um, delays with stuff like that. Um, and yeah, just kind of like the weird state of the world in general. I feel like, yeah, it was kind of kind of a weird year where like a lot of things got pushed back into this year, then pushed back into next year even further. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We're kind of in like a weird, a weird middle ground, which I don't know if is the, I don't, I wouldn't attribute to like the regular cycle of like console launches and, and games taking a while to kind of catch up. I'm not yeah. sure that's really what the, the issue was. <clears throat> and then after the disastrous release of cyberpunk, a lot of studios were like, maybe we should wait yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah. That was like a canary in the coal mine for a lot of people like, Oh man, like, yeah. thank God they did that. And <laughs> people, like, we can now like make that promise to n- we won't be cyberpunk. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> people are, are willing to be a little bit more patient after what happened with that. Yeah. Um, who boy. And you know what, that the, the next gen patch of cyberpunk never came out in 2021. So I still have not touched that game nope. that I own. I have a, I have a sealed box copy of it for the PlayStation four sitting <laughs> on my shelf. <laughs> Someday, Brendan, someday it will be a PlayStation 5. <laughs> well, I actually bought it because uh, like uh, maybe two weeks after the game came out, Amazon had it on sale for like half price. God, insane. Uh, and that was like right after uh, the PlayStation store pulled it. So you couldn't buy it on PlayStation anymore. Man. So I picked it up as like a collector's item. Like you can't get this now. <laughs> like, this game doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't oh, really man. ever intend to open that. If I am going to play it, I will just buy it again. I think uh, I will not give them any more of my money towards that game. <laughs> um, yeah, I also own a sealed copy. Luckily, I don't think we had like a cyberpunk moment in terms of game releases. I don't know if we had anything like that in 2021. Certainly the game industry full of uh, problematic episodes, I guess yeah. is what you could say. <laughs> yeah, but, we, we had that. Uh, people are pretty uh, down on that new Battlefield game. That's been kind of a rough launch for them, I think. But I think that's common with Battlefield. I think that kind of always happens. Yeah, that's I. You know what? I'd like to be able to contribute in this portion of the conversation. But like <laughs> I had forgotten <laughs> that Battlefield even came out and it, it was like a absolutely <laughs> nothing to me. I know. Yeah. Isn't that insane? <laughs> and even like a Call of Duty game came out and like I know you played it. Mm-hmm. But like the, there, there was next to zero buzz about the Call of yeah, Duty game that came out, which no is like fanfare. crazy. Um, Crazy to think that we finally reached that point in yeah. Call of Duty. Um, I'm not against that, though. No, I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about all of the failures of gaming in 2021. There were good <laughs> things that happened, too. <laughs> yeah, name one. <laughs> uh, Switch OLED. Oh, yeah, shit. I, set the, I got one of those. That's on me. I set the bar too low. It's a beautiful, shiny machine that I absolutely didn't need, but I'm happy that I have. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, let's just get right into this. So this is the way it's going to work. Um, we are going to we have a few categories of uh, games that we want to talk about first. Um, just a few like 
not necessarily awards, but just like fun things to remember the year in gaming. Uh, we'll run through a few of those first. And then when it's all said and done, we will uh, both be reading off our top 10, personal top 10 games of the year. Um, on our regular Samurai Jack podcast, uh, when we do our season ending recaps, uh, we rank all of the episodes against each other um, and then like determine a winner based on a scientific system. Um that doesn't work so well for game of the year when it's just you and me, because like we're working off of a different pool. Like yep. I didn't play everything you did. You didn't play everything I did. Right. Yeah. So we're not going to take that part of this super seriously. It's yeah. also kind of tough when it's just like two people. So I can yell at you and say, no, this game was better than the other one. And like, you could disagree and then we'll just never get past that point. <laughs> we'll just fight forever. Yeah. Uh, if we end up having games that both make it to the top, we could say those are collective, like high, high scorers, but I don't think we're going to name a got to recap game of the year, really. <laughs> um, No, pro- probably not. Although, you know, maybe we'll see. I already know based on our earlier discussions there, de- there's definitely going to be some overlap in uh, our top tens. I'm sure. Um, I also already know. I already, Brendan, I already know what your game of the year is. Don't, don't go ahead and shout that out. But I, we've talked about this a lot off air and uh, (laughs) I know where, I know where this is going, um, but the listeners don't. So let's keep them, let's keep them hooked. They could, if they've been paying attention, we've been (laughs) dropping hints uh, all year. Far cry six. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Brendan, what are you eating there, buddy? Oh, sorry. I forgot. (laughs) Tater tot. (laughs) Fast and loose, baby. That's, That's just what the gaming podcasts are all about. I wonder if all the chewing got picked up. Shit. <laughs> That's entirely possible. That's okay. Uh, you know, you got to have a little mid-game snack sometimes. I'm trying really hard to appeal to the gamers. Is it working? <laughs> I think so. Hmm. I'm not convinced. Uh, okay. Brendan, let's go ahead and start this exercise here. We got to, yeah, like I said, we got a few categories I want to run through before we get to the the top 10 games of the year. Um, first category we have on the list, it's just a fun little trip down memory lane. It's a, it's a category that you and me have decided to call, remember this one? Yep. Just some games to read off that uh, you may have played, you may not have, um, but these are just games where uh, you might have forgotten that they even came out this year or came out at all, which there's so many games that come out and you and me are not like professional game journalists. This is not our profession. So like mm. there are even so f- like so many more games than the ones I'm about to mention that like y- probably you might not have ever even heard of or, yeah. you know, that's just the way these things go. Well, there's a hundred games every day on steam. So it's like, you're never going to get all of them. Super anime babes. 10. <laughs> Hentai versus Nazis. That is in my top 10. So we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> Brendan, uh, well, you already stole one of them from me, but Battlefield 2042 came out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, sure did. We talked about that. <laughs> uh, zero buzz around a Battlefield game, which I feel bad for fans of Battlefield. I know one of our mutual friends, Lexi, she was like super excited to play Battlefield and mm. we both kind of questioned her like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> yeah, about? What? Why? <laughs> uh, I do hear or I did hear several months before it came out, there was a lot of hype around it because it had a portal mode where like you would, you would shoot portals on the walls and be able to walk through them. That's kind of cool. But that was about the exact time that Splitgate came out. 
So right, I would rather play that than <laughs> Battlefield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Battlefield was kind of in a crowded shooter market, and uh, I, I like I think only hardcore fans of the series probably got super into that. I just I had even forgotten with all of like the other good shooters that came out this year. I had even forgotten that like that one existed. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, Brendan, you remember the disaster that was Balan Wonderworld? Oh, God, I, I, I do. <laughs> I do remember that. I have a friend who has a literal pile of copies of that game. Uh, I don't know why he's done this. Do you know how he's done it? <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he has so many copies of it. He loves it. I don't oh, get no. it. I played the demo and it made me physically ill the way like the world wraps the like world bending up into the sky yeah. is wrong. It yeah. feels wrong and is wrong. I hate it. I, I can't look at it. And I guess that stops after the first world, but I'm not okay. going to push through it to, to see. An incredible mess. Balan Wonder World. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's so bad. Uh, Brendan, did you did you ever dive into Odd World Soulstorm? Uh, I played the first maybe two levels because it was uh, free on PlayStation. Um, yes. So I played the very beginning, but I've never been an Oddworld fan. I don't like the cinematic platformer genre, like the right. old uh, Prince of Persia games on the NES and anything like that. I don't love that. Uh, I had a similar trajectory um, with it being free on PlayStation Plus. I said, oh, I'll give this a go. I've heard the name Oddworld before. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just immediately stopped. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure for people who like those games, it was very exciting. I'm, thrill, I've probably, never been yeah. one of those people, though. So it just wasn't yeah. <laughs> not my not my style. Very much same. Uh, all right. And now the final portion of uh, the remember this one category. I, I have a block of Nintendo games for you. Ooh. so let's see if you remember these one. Uh, Pac-Man 99 came out this year. Yeah, I didn't play it. I watched some on YouTube. It looked interesting, but not a huge Pac-Man guy. No, it doesn't have the same appeal to me as Tetris 99, which is a perfect game. Or the Mario one. That one even looked better than the Pac-Man one. Yeah, I did play the Mario one much more than the Pac-Man 99, which I think I only played once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, moving on from that. Uh, Bravely Default 2. I, I bought that. You and I played, And I played maybe, uh, maybe 40 minutes of it. <laughs> Did you play Bravely Default 1? I did. I played that one almost to the end, and then I started trying to like go back and clean up old dungeons, uh, and I kind of burned myself out on it. But I did really like it while I was playing it. It's got a lot okay. going on. Like I think the combat's really engaging for an RPG. Um, but this one, I just kind of... I think it's something about the Switch, honestly, is I, I don't play the Switch really anymore. You gotta get that OLED, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely don't do that if you're not playing Switch. It's <laughs> no. very much the same thing. It just looks pretty. Um, the final game in the Nintendo block to close out this category. Uh, you remember when Game Builder Garage came out? Oh, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I, I did forget about that, though. Right. That might be the the star of this category. Game Builder Garage, the sort of, I almost wanted to call it Labo adjacent, but it wasn't really. It was like a... a, a software program on the switch that like allows you to build your own game. It's basically like baby's first game designer. How does Um, it compare to dreams? I think I don't, you know, I don't really know. I have not spent a lot of time like messing. I love dreams. I love what people are able to make Mm. in dreams. Um, I 
don't know if I'm creative enough to like build some of the things that people do in that oh, game. I haven't even tried. I just, I play all the shit post levels that people yeah. make. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember at the time game builder garage coming out and people saying like, yeah, this is a great way to introduce children to the idea of game design, but like people sort of hitting a wall with it where like it kind of doesn't let you get like as creative as I think some dreams would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that they did this and I like, I would love for them to do something more like this in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, this, it kind of came and went without too much. Yeah. I really should check that out though. I'd, I'd be interested to at least see like, how how easy it is to work with and like what you can put together in an afternoon. Uh, and it, did it, does it have like, can you go online and download people's games like you can in dreams? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I would think it, it would have to have that. Otherwise, what's the point? That's the only really? thing that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You've got a little game design background. You got to hop in there. Check it out. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see it. Um, I'll have to check out how much it is, though. I don't think I would pay. I think it's cheap. I think it's like 30 bucks. OK, yeah, I think I could I would swing 30 for it. I would not pay 60 for it. But well, Brendan, go ahead and purchase that. And then in our game of the year, 2022 podcast, you can kind of let me know what you thought of game, game of the year Builder is the Garage. one I made in Game Maker Garage. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> All right. Moving on from that category, we have another one. Uh, quick hitter here. Uh, most missed game is what we've decided to name this category, which I think is fun. Mm -hmm. um, this is basically the game that you and I games that you and I did not play this year because we've only got so much time in the mm -hmm. day um, games that we did not play, but we wish that we had pretty much like mostly like with the consideration that like, had we played these, it's, it's like it's very likely that they could have been in our top 10. Yeah. Yeah. What games we slept on. Uh, what did you, what, what do you have? I have two games. Actually, I have sure. lost judgment, uh, which I have not yet played because I still haven't finished the first one. Um, yeah, that's I'm fine. very close to the end <laughs> uh, and I do intend to play this one, but I haven't. So it, it it's not making my list. And the other game I have is Metopia because Metopia looks very fun, but I didn't buy it because I don't play the switch anymore. <laughs> right. I was like, I should buy that. And then I was I talked myself out of it because I knew I wouldn't play it. Did you play Tomodachi life back in the day? I didn't know, but that one looks fun as well. I always liked the when people would make the characters sing. Yeah. That looked really fun. Yeah. Giving your friends like the most ridiculous possible voices and yeah, <laughs> having them sing songs. Um, Metopia, I also wanted to check out, but never did. Um, and I loved Tomodachi life back in the day. And this kind of seems like an extension of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and people do some crazy stuff with like the, the character builder in it, too. Yeah, for sure. It's one that I, I want to get around to, but I might never. I may pick it up on a discount somewhere, mm -hmm. perhaps. Uh, we'll see. Um, Lost Judgment uh, is also one of mine, a uh, game that almost certainly would have broken my top 10 if I had spent enough time playing it. I did spend like a pretty decent amount of time playing it. Um, and it's so fucking ridiculous. Like, uh, it, like the, some of the first fights you do in that game is you beat up a bunch of unruly teenagers inside of a high school. Um, so, you know, they're really <laughs> sticking to their Yakuza roots. Um, yeah. Yeah, Lost Judgment seems like a truly tremendous game, but uh, as you know, Brendan, um, right around the time I started playing that game, uh, both of my DualSense controllers on my PlayStation 5 kind of shit the bed. Yeah. Um, one of them had stick drift where it made it impossible to sprint in that game, um, and then the other one, uh, the 
right trigger was like completely loose and had no more tension. So like even just resting your finger on it would trigger a response. Mm-hmm. Um, that made playing games like that uh, impossible. So I put it down. And by the time I got my controllers back, um, I kind of had moved on to other stuff. Yeah. Um, That's so I felt bad. Yeah, I know. That's definitely one that I think I'm going to spend a lot of time in. Mm-hmm. in uh, oh, I, I knowing you, you definitely will. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'll probably platinum the game because I'm a fucking freak. Uh, <laughs> the only other two I have on here are uh, Returnal mm-hmm. on PS5, uh, which I played about 45 minutes of, and then was really into, and then stopped playing because I wanted to like try out a couple different games at the time, see what was kind of hooking me. Something hooked me more than that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember even what it was, but like I always thought, okay, I got to go back to Returnal, and then I just never did. Yeah. Um, I have that in but the other category. Good. That's fine. Uh, and then the the only other one I wanted to list was It Takes Two, a game I never touched, but one game of the year at the Game Awards, which yep. I think is crazy. Yeah, I think that it's crazy that it won game of the year. Um, it's very fun, though. Not from a quality it. standpoint, but like just I, I was shocked that mm-hmm. like that was what people really thought thought of it i just yeah. didn't know it kind of feels like that that one was like a sleeper hit kind of thing like people don't really right talk about it all that much that's kind of how i felt about it too like yeah. it, it made a big splash at the time and then like never heard about it and now that it's like award season people are like seems like people are like actually really up or down on it i feel like the game awards got like people talking about it like mm-hmm. more critically i don't know it's interesting yeah um but those are the games that you and me did not play enough of but wished that we had uh, now it's time to get into some more bummers, uh, but these are from games that we did actually play. Uh, our next category is most disappointing game release. <laughs> and this is not even necessarily the worst game you played this year, mm-hmm. but a game that you played and were like let down by for some specific reason. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll go ahead and start us off. Uh, my most disappointing game of the year by a country mile was Mario golf super rush on the switch. Um, I fucking love Mario golf. Uh, Mario golf on three DS was by far my most played three DS game by total hours. Um, Mario golf is the premier Mario sports game and they really just fucked it up on the switch. Like the introduction of the rush mode is not interesting. Like that's not a fun way to play. Um, just like I, I don't I can't imagine a scenario where like I would rather be doing that than just playing like the standard Mario Golf format. Yeah. I didn't really understand like why they did that mode. Like I, 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 I don't really see the appeal, like try to make it more like a Mario Kart style thing. Yeah, like it, it's it's the wrong game to be trying stuff like that out mm-hmm. in. I don't I it's just an odd it's very, it's it's weird. I don't, I don't know what to say yeah. about it other than that. It was yeah, just not like not enjoyable as as enjoyable as like the regular Mario Golf core formula. Yeah. Um they added a story mode in there that was like useless and like kind of bizarre like some of the plot points that it went to you like fight like ancient demons with yeah. like Wario and Waluigi. I don't know. It was they kind of <laughs> started doing that with uh the tennis one that came out on the Switch. Yes, which I also played in that. It's very much a similar vibe, but this one like tried to get even further mm. with some of that stuff. And like, it just does not. Work. I think I think it worked for the tennis one. I I kind of fell off of the, the golf one very quickly. 
yeah, I played all the way through it. I just, it, it never really clicked that much for me. It's one of those recent trends that like you and I have talked about over the last couple of years where like, I feel like Nintendo is making a lot of like very bland games. Like yeah. it's just Mario Golf and like all even safe. Mario They're Tennis. Like super safe games. Yeah, very safe, very flavorless. Like, yeah, like, like I think the ultimate example of this is the Super Mario Party that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't I haven't played the Mario Party like compilation game that came out this year, but I understand people kind of enjoyed that, um, yeah. which makes sense because it harkens back to like the boards and games and like things that people love when they but, were like, good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. When they actually felt like they had a soul, but like a lot of these, yeah, like spin-off Mario games and like kind of side games for Nintendo, a lot of them feel like very even the mainline games kind of are getting to a point where it feels like they're just trying to stuff things in. They want you to play it for like they want you to have a lot to do, but none of it's like super interesting. Yeah, like having 900 moons in Mario Odyssey was completely unnecessary when half of them are just like sitting on a hill. You just have to like walk up to them. Right. And at least the portions of Mario Odyssey that are interesting are like really good. Yeah, but yeah. like, yeah, a lot of Nintendo games these days. Yeah, just play it way too safe. And like this was one where like it it felt lifeless. And then the one mode that they tried to inject into it was like just so not necessary. Maybe it didn't go far enough. Like maybe if they had done that mode and you could like fist fight the other players on the, the field. Yeah. Like, the, but that was it was like you would you you could lightly bump into them and like slow them down a little yeah. bit. I don't know. Just not worth it for me. Anyway, disappointed by Mario Golf. Like I remain hopeful that they will recapture the 3DS glory days, but I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Yeah, unfortunately. Brendan, your most disappointing game of 2021. Uh, I've got two. I'm just going to pick one, though. I'm going to go with 12 minutes was extremely yeah. disappointing. Uh, I was very excited about this game. I think the first time I saw about it was at maybe E3 several years ago or some sort of game award or something. Um, And it was just a trailer that was showing like just the kitchen area. And then like it would like cut between different scenes like the guy's dead. Now the girl's dead. Now like this and that. And it looked so cool. Uh, And I'm a huge fan of like clockwork time loop kind of puzzle games. Um, Like I love Majora's Mask and uh, the Sexy Brutale are both really great, like time, like uh, based puzzles. Um, right. And this and one, there were it, a lot of good time loop games that did come out yeah, this year, like yeah. we talked about. And this one just kind of it, it was boring because you, it takes too long to get anything done. Like it's only 12 minutes long per loop. But when you have to spend half of that, like waiting in a closet or like you got to run in the bathroom as soon as you can and like close the door so your wife doesn't see you digging around under the sink. Like uh, it's it's weird. Um I didn't finish it. I do know what the conclusion is. So here's the deal, Brendan. Uh, You and me talked about this before we recorded. uh, And I'll probably put like a spoiler warning at the very top of the episode because I neglected to do that earlier. Um, I think we're going full spoilers on the games that we're going to talk about today. Um, So don't hold back. I don't know what the twist is in 12 minutes. And I, oh I've heard God. people. I know I've heard that it's like batshit crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. Uh, once again, this is your final warning. Everyone Uh full spoilers for all games that will be talked about from this point on, including 12 minutes. Uh, Brendan, please tell me what the crazy twist is. OK, in 12 minutes. so I'm dying to know. as far as I got, you find out that your wife uh, killed her father. 
uh, and it stole a like watch that he has on him. And this guy who's coming to your house wants that watch so he can sell it for his daughter's surgery. Um, okay. But it turns out that she didn't only kill her father. She also killed your father because it's the same person. And you are brother and sister. And she's pregnant with your baby. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. What? Why? Why did they do that? <laughs> Why go for that shock of like that? Be oh, my God. And then so like, I guess the idea is that you're trapped in this moment because you're finally realizing how fucked up everything that you've done is. Uh, and it's just like, well, well it didn't need that. <laughs> That's not cool. That's yeah. not like a cool reveal. That's fucked. A lot of people oh complain God. also about that. You have to drug uh, your wife constantly. Oh, no. Because, um, like, you need to knock her out or she'll be awake and she'll open yeah. the door. Uh, so you constantly are, like, putting pills in her water and, and knocking her out. Uh, like and that. a lot of people didn't like that. Uh, I didn't really care. I just thought it was <laughs> boring. <laughs> but, like, once I found out what that twist was, I just completely stopped playing. I was like, no, no, no. Nope. I do not care to see uh, it for myself. <laughs> okay. Well, I definitely will not be playing that game now that I know that. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, right? Like, what? I, I, I just don't understand why you would even go for that. Yeah, that's not an interesting reveal. That just makes everyone feel bad about it. Yeah, just it, I don't know. I don't know. And wow. I, I like I like I have mentioned I did not finish it myself, so I right. could be fuzzy on some of the details, but I'm fairly certain that is <laughs> is the big reveal. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. So um, I was very disappointed in that game. I I had very high hopes for it. Even Kojima said it was good. Uh, gross. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> wow. I did not know that. My <laughs> mind is like reeling right now. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> and not in a good way that I think they were intending by that. Yeah. It, it, um, it's baffling is what it is. <laughs> okay, Brendan, we have, uh, just a couple more things to cover here before we get to our top 10 lists. Mm -hmm. Uh, another category games that we started and then immediately stopped playing uh the name of this category is hardest bounce off the game that you bounced completely off of uh brendan what what would you say you bounced the hardest off of this year this is where returnal landed for me um okay i i got it relatively soon after i got my playstation um i think it had just come out uh and i had been hearing some reviews about it and jeff gersman on the bombcast was kind of down on it um, but I was like, it sounds interesting, like a high budget roguelike could be right up my alley. Uh, but I got to the first boss. Uh, I fought it maybe five times and couldn't beat it. Um, and then I just completely stopped playing. I don't yeah. I didn't love like the there's that corruption mechanic, like where you get abilities that kind of hurt you, but also give you a bonus. I didn't love any of those. Um, I thought the levels got kind of boring after doing them a few times, like. Once you've seen every room layout, it's kind of like loses some of its luster. And for a triple A roguelike, I kind of would have expected maybe a bit more variety in the levels. Sure. Kind of just fell off of it. Didn't hate it. Just don't really like it all that much. That's definitely I mean, I, I, I started it. I wouldn't say I really bounced off of it because because like it was kind of in like a, a middle area where I was trying out a few different games. Like I said, um, that's definitely one that I think I would like to like really devote some time to and just to see what it's all about because i've mm -hmm. heard up and down things kind of like you said yeah uh right now our friend lexi has my copy uh when i get it back i might give it another try 
Hurry up, Lexi. <laughs> Beat that game. Brendan's dying to play it. <laughs> Not really. Take your time. <laughs> uh, my hardest bounce off of the year was uh, another game that I had forgotten even came out this year. Uh, Outriders. Yep. A game that I was not excited for before it came out, but like enough people were that I decided to give it a shot. Also, it was free for me to play. I mean, free in quotes. Um, It launched on Xbox Game Pass, mm -hmm. which is a big deal. Like Game Pass had a hell of a year and like has managed to secure like launch day rights for a lot of major games yeah. from third party studios. Um. So like this game had a lot of buzz and launched on Game Pass on day one. So I said, all right, I'll give it a try. And I got to like the first boss in like the open world area. And I had been playing with like a couple friends here or there. But 99% of the time I'm playing video games, I'm playing by myself. Um, and like when when that was my reality in that game, like the shooting was not as good as Gears of War, which yeah. is like the much better third person cover shooter. Um, the story was ass. The story was fucking like stupid and nonsense. The, character the characters so were unrelatable so, and unlikable. So the, the, like the most grating personalities ever. Yeah. I, it just, there was nothing to relate to any of them too. Um, yeah, but I just I, I bounced right off of that game and have absolutely zero desire to ever go back yeah, to it. I did play all the way through that. Uh, at the end, it introduces this like end game gear grind which was really weird for me. Um, I mm. thought it was, I thought it was fine. Yeah. You know? It's I, forgettable. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like, I played it enough that I beat it and I did all the side quests, but like, I probably wouldn't go back to it. Extremely thankful that it was a game pass game. So like, I didn't have to pay for it. Like I could see if it was going to work out for me. It didn't. And now like, I just don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And that might be why I finished it because I did buy it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You might have been in a similar camp to me if you yeah, had an Xbox. If I hadn't paid for it, I probably would have just fallen right off of it. That is the that is one of the other realities of Xbox Game Pass, though, is like it gives you that freedom. So like mm -hmm. it gives you the freedom to find a game that you're going to love or like it's it's like a rent. It's almost like a rental system. Yeah, uh, you're kind of I find any sort of thing like that, like PlayStation Now or like if I borrow a game from somebody, I don't have that same sense of obligation to finish it. Right. Because I have no sunk cost into it. So it's like, yeah. So exactly. I, I, you also sometimes, though, might give up on a game that you could end up liking if you give it a little bit true. more time. Um, yep. I've definitely found that to be true as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a give and take. Um, OK, uh, that is pretty much all the categories we have here before we move into our top 10. I'm very excited to see how our top 10s align with each other. Um I know we played a, a handful of similar games, but uh, I know there are games that are going to make yours that aren't going to make mine and, mm -hmm. and the other way around. It's going to be fun to kind of see what really stood out to us this year. But right before we do that, I think it would be a good idea for us to list a couple of honorable mentions that didn't quite make our top tens, but like we wanted to shout out quickly yeah. um, for for a few different reasons. Um, I will start with mine. Uh, the honorable mentions I have are uh, Cyber Shadow. Um, I don't know if you know what this is. No, I don't even think I know. I'm not sure what that is. Cyber Shadow is a uh, 2D game that is basically like a uh, love letter to the Ninja Gaiden games uh, of like NES, like old school Ninja Gaiden games. Um, it is 
published by, not developed by, but published by the same publishers of uh, Shovel Knight, which obviously like Shovel Knight is like a love letter to a lot of NES games as well. Mm. It's kind of like a mishmash of a bunch of different NES games in one. Um, This is very much going for like a Ninja Gaiden vibe, which is not something that I really relate to because I never have played those games. Yeah. Um, But it was a really good game. Like I really enjoyed it. And for a long portion of the year, because this game came out in January of 2021, um, for a long portion of the year, it was my game of the year just because it took so long for other things to came out, come out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it didn't make my list at the end of the day, but like I just wanted to give it its moment in the sun yeah, briefly. I think that's fair. Yeah. And another one I have is uh, Knockout City, which was a multiplayer dodgeball game. Yep. Um, that also came out on Xbox Game Pass, which is the reason I was able to play it. Um it's a really solid uh, multiplayer game. It kind of gave me like Splatoon vibes at times. Yeah. Just kind of like a colorful, like more fun sort of multiplayer game, um, which is th- things that I gravitate towards more th- at this point in my life. Like Fall Guys was a big game for me last year. Um, this kind of scratched a similar itch for me. Um, I haven't kept up with it and I am afraid to go back to it because I think people are like way better than I was. Like I, yep. if I go back now, like I am sure that I'll get absolutely crushed. I think um, it was free recently on the PlayStation as well. I think it was one I think of the PS right. Plus games last month, maybe even. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, so if you manage to snag that, or if you do have a uh, Game Pass subscription, it's definitely worth jumping in and playing a few rounds because it's like a lot more fun than you think that mm-hmm. it's going to be. I had a really good time. The the, the limited time that I did spe- did spend with Knockout City, I I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um. And then the last game I wanted to list in my honorable mentions, another Game Pass joint this year, which fucking blew my mind, uh, MLB The Show 21. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's the deal. I don't buy sports games anymore. I'm a sporto. Uh, I don't buy sports games anymore because it's it's a ridiculous annual release money trap that like I, I don't like to contribute to. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't done that consistently since like 2010. Um, but this game came out on Xbox Game Pass, which was perfect, like not only because then I didn't have to buy it, but I could still play it. But also MLB The Show is a game developed by a Sony studio um, and has been a PlayStation exclusive game forever. Um, they don't make any other baseball. G- I'm pretty sure there are only two baseball games that exist. One of them is RBI Baseball, which is like a very cartoony version of, I should say, like MLB licensed baseball okay, games. Yep. Um, one of them is RBI Baseball, which is like a very cartoony arcade kind of style baseball game. Um, but this is the only MLB. The show is the only like full sim baseball game that exists. And I love baseball. Baseball is by far my favorite sport. I love the way they dribble up and down the court. Um <laughs> Baseball, MLB the show, and and so, but I don't buy them. Um, so for it to for it to be free for me to play and also be appearing on an Xbox console was like fucking crazy to me, and I'm so thankful yep. that I had that experience. And I do remember I when c- that first happened, people were very excited to see a PlayStation logo <laughs> on an Xbox game. It's kind of world shattering yeah. to see it because, like the you know. Sony Studios, like the PlayStation Studios now have like that epic, like Marvel style opening where Mm. it has like the characters over like the letters that fly into the screen. It's really weird to see that. Yeah. When you're playing on an Xbox console. Yeah. Um, It it has very crazy implications for like what just the future of video games in general. Breaking down barriers that have existed for (laughs) decades. 
Exactly. Um, and I can, yeah, I, it's, it's a really, really, really well-made baseball game. Like it's incredible. I'm so thankful that I had the chance to play it. I'm just also not very good at it because like I haven't been keeping up with these games. So like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just wanted to shout it out because like I could tell the product that they're making is very high, like a high quality. And, uh, I was just really, really, I thought it was really cool to be able to have that experience. Yeah. I can see Um, that. Yeah. So those are my honorable mentions. Brenda, do you have any that you wanted to bring up here before we get into our top tens? Uh, I've got a few. Um, I mentioned this one a little bit earlier, but Splitgate has been a lot of fun for me. Um, This is one that I've known about for years now. Uh, Back when it was first in alpha, I got into it, um, but I didn't really play much of it then. Now that it's uh, fully out on PlayStation is where I'm playing it. Uh, I have a great time with it. It's, It's like a... A Halo, like an older Halo style deathmatch kind of game, uh, but you have actual portals like from the portal series. Uh, and I think that is a great combination. I love running around, popping out of portals, shotgun and dudes. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, um, for the amount of time that you spent playing that game, I'm actually really surprised that it didn't make your top 10. I know how much you yeah. really cared for that game. Um I probably would have made my top 10 if there was a little bit more to it. But since it's just like an online multiplayer thing, it's it's something that I like to play and I'll, I'll fire it up and play a few rounds here and there. Um, but it's not really one that I'm like constantly want to do something in. If there was like a portal style, like puzzles or like a campaign, right. maybe it would have done a little better. But I still think that's it's something that game. could come eventually. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. And I still think it's great. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Apart from that, I also have uh, No More Heroes 3 for the Switch came out this year. Uh, I played through most of it. Uh, It's more No More Heroes. If you've ever played any of them, you kind of know what you're getting into. I Uh, haven't. No? Oh, man. Well, this one seems to have completely gone off the rails. Like, they've always been really bonkers, batshit, fucking what the hell's going on. This one is even more so. Uh, And, like, maybe it's just because I haven't played the other two since the Wii but I am so lost all the time in what's happening in this story. Um, <laughs> I, there's like characters that it kind of like they reveal and it's like, I feel like it wants me to know who this guy is, but I, I don't know who that guy is. Um, but mm. it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's still the same kind of thing that I liked about the first one. The combat's like flashy and exciting. Uh, it's wacky. In the strangest kind of way, as you might expect. I really liked it. It it made me the trailers that I would see in Nintendo directs, like really piqued my interest where I'm like, "Mm, maybe I should check this out, even though I've never played these No More Heroes games. The trailers were bonkers. I would say don't if you haven't played the other ones, um, because it is a direct continuation of the story. I may give the other ones a shot first. Those are I believe they're on the Nintendo eShop. So like maybe I'll go back to those. Check them out. I think they're fun. They hold up. Um, I liked them at the time. This one, I didn't finish it. Uh, I not sure why I was enjoying it when I was playing it. And then I just kind of put it down one day and haven't gone back to it. Fair enough. Um, But it's pretty good. And then one last one I would say is uh, Pokemon Unite. The Pokemon MOBA game was uh, surprisingly fun. I'm not a MOBA guy. I don't like League of Legends. I don't like Dota. Uh, I didn't like Monday Night Fights. Is that what it was called? Something like that. On the Xbox 360. 
but this one I I really enjoyed for a couple weeks. I played it pretty hard. Um, it does have some pay to win nonsense yeah, in it, which sure it does, which really sucks. Um, you don't need to do it, but you you save yourself a lot of time if you pay. Uh, which you know that always sucks. <laughs> Nobody likes right. that really, but it's a good time. It's good to play. The each Pokemon feels distinct enough that like. You never feel like, oh, that's just another character that throws fireballs or whatever. I might go back to it at some point. I downloaded it when it came out on the phone, uh, but I haven't played it much yet. I have never touched it, but I, I do remember sort of at the time that it came out, people being like surprised that a what seemed like a cash in like Pokemon MOBA game was actually like surprisingly competent. Like people yeah. were actually really into it. So that's good. I'm glad that people had that like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a, the words MOBA game like scare me. So we'll see yeah, if I ever touch for it. For sure. Uh, I get that. Nice. Uh, and that'll do it for my honorable mentions. All right, Brendan. Then you know what that means. It's time. It is time. Uh, here. All right. So here's how this is going to go. We're going to take turns going uh, one by one, reading off our favorite games of the year from 10 to 1. Uh, as we said before, uh, full spoilers for these games. So. Um, if you want to fast forward through our discussions, that's totally reasonable. I don't blame you. Uh, I We talked a little bit about um, what kind of games count towards game of the year. Um, I think it has to be something that is released in 2021, even if it is like a like early access sort of beta sort of thing. Like I know Splitgate is not Splitgate's not like a full release at this point. Oh, it is. Right. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was. Uh, no, it was it was beta when it first hit the the store, but I think after okay. a couple of weeks it went live, like full. Well, uh, think of a better example than what I just said, and then we'll run with that. <laughs> um, uh, Valheim. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, something like Valheim uh, does count. Also, something that counts is like a s- substantial DLC uh, slash expansion for a game that might mm-hmm. not have come out in 2021, but um, the DLC expansion did. Uh, something along the lines of like, the Bowser's Fury expansion to Super Mario 3D World. Um, that is something that would count on our top 10 lists. Yep. Um, something that is like a meaningful piece of content that stands alone, right, yep. even if it is a DLC to something that came before. Mm-hmm. Seems fair to me. I would agree with that, yeah. But what we're not doing, it's ports that came out nine years ago. <laughs> no ports. Sorry, Fez. Ports be damned. Yeah, Fez, 2021 game of the year, Fez. I know how much that <laughs> rubs you the wrong way. I absolutely um, hate that that showed up on a list. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a remake would count, but not like a port. Right. So Final Fantasy VII remake would have counted last year, mm-hmm. uh, but not like the HD version of Final Fantasy VII coming to the Switch. That would not count. Right. Um. So... But along those lines of what I just said to you, Brendan, I also want to eliminate another game right now, which I think is going to blow your fucking mind. Okay. Better not be one on my list. <laughs> it's not. I don't think it is. Okay. Uh, I am incapable of separating the Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye expansion. I'm not able to separate my love for that DLC expansion, which is vast. I am not able to separate that from my love of the base game, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. Um. For that reason, uh, I am not including it in my top 10 games of the year. Wow. Even though it probably would be my game of the year. I was certain that it was, actually. I don't think I can do that. I, I, it just, huh. it, it doesn't sit right with me. 
this that would be my game of the year, but like I don't know that I could say that if I removed my initial love for Outer Wilds itself. You, you came into it, yeah, already at a pretty high position. Yeah. Um exactly. And, yeah, okay. I can kind of see that. Um so for that reason it will not appear in my list. The same thing is true of the Ghost of Tsushima uh Iki Island expansion that came out this year. Um I think that is a really good game, but uh I, I can't separate that from my love of Ghost of Tsushima proper. So um I just wanted to get that out of the way just because I knew you were probably expecting it coming up, but yeah, uh, no, I, I, I for certain was does not appear in my top 10 games of the year, but could have, but Damn. doesn't, I know crazy bombshell. <laughs> now I'm excited to see what did make it. <laughs> right. Well, you're about to find out, uh, <laughs> but not, not before you tell me what your number 10 game of the year is. My number 10. So I actually kind of had a hard time <laughs> filling the list. Uh, the, the, the lower half uh, is pretty solid. The rest, uh, not so much. But f- uh, where I landed with number 10 was actually Maquette. Interesting. Which is a first person puzzle game. I played it on the PlayStation 5. It was uh, the PS Plus game, I think, the month that I got the PS5. Um, as for the story, I don't really remember all that much about it. It's some like artsy, like, breakup tale about like you're reliving reliving memories of your relationship with this girl and then by the end they've broken up and everything's kind of like dark and sad but the the main like gameplay hook of the game is that you're in this like pagoda and around it are four like vignettes there are several levels but they're all set up the same way there's like four sections of it each one has like a house or something going on in it and then in the center there's a smaller version of what you're standing in. And so you can take objects from your, so like maybe there'll be a cube that's like three feet and you take it and you drop it in the little one and a giant one will fall from the sky and land where you dropped it on the miniature. Uh, So it's a lot of playing with like the size of objects, kind of like a super liminal if you played that at all. I did. Yeah, that's exactly what that's reminding me. Yeah, uh, it's it very reminiscent of Super Liminal. Um, the puzzles are a bit more obtuse sometimes than Super Liminal was, though. Uh, I found myself getting stuck pretty often. Um, but I really enjoyed like what they were doing with it, especially at one point when I found out that I could escape the big one, like my I could escape my area and go with, into an even bigger version of the area. Whoa. And I kept doing that until the game broke. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, just a really interesting mechanic. The story is nothing special. A lot of these indie games keep doing these, like, trying to be heartfelt stories that just don't really land for me. Um, but I had a great time playing it. I, uh... That like we talked about earlier, I think that was a victim of like it being quote unquote free for mm-hmm. me, um, where it was a pl- PlayStation Plus game. So like I had no financial obligation to like continue playing it. Um, I did start playing it and was and was interested by the uh, exactly what you just talked about, like the perspective of like dropping little things and then big things come out in the world. Like mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool mechanic, but yeah, I, I just kind of bounced off it and uh, it might be something I go back to at some point. I, it definitely showed a lot of promise. I'm glad uh, that yeah. you got a lot out of it. That's it's cool. not super long. Um, it gets a bit more interesting towards the end as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Number Seems 10. Cool. Number 10. Good. I may check it out at some point. Um, okay. Moving on. My number 10 game of the year is Little Nightmares 2, which I played on PlayStation 5. Uh, 
actually a prequel to Little Nightmares 1, which came out a few years ago. Um, it is basically like a side-scrolling game. It's kind of like a, it, it's, I think it came out after like Inside came out and mm-hmm. kind of took everyone by storm of like creepy, esoteric, like side-scrolling little kid, like walking through this fucked up world. I think yep. it was kind of trying to cash in on that kind of vibe a little bit. Or like Limbo on the 360. Right, right. Same, same kind of thing. Um, this this game, though, I think kind of perfected the formula over what the, what the first game did. Um, it's just like a very simple puzzle solving running through this world. Um, it's more about like the scary situations that you find yourself in. Um, what really pushed this game over the edge for me. So there's there's a few things. Um, the I think the art direction in uh, the Little Nightmares series is, is really cool. And uh, some of like the like monster designs are like creepy. It's really less monsters and more just like creepy humans or like something like wrong, like mutated about like the humans in this world, like that attack, like these these children playable characters. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the designs in this in Little Nightmares 2 are really good. There's like a very scary teacher. You go into like a spooky school that's got a bunch of like doll children that sit at the desks. <sighs> I know they're like porcelain dolls with like half of their heads are like shattered and it's, it's really fucked up. Um, but the teacher is like this very like stereotypical, like she's this gigantic woman. Um, <laughs> and she's like the stereotypical, like 1920s school teacher and like has a ruler that she like slaps on their desks and like, she's kind of intimidating. Um, the scariest part about her is her, uh, neck will stretch out like forever. Like if you're in another room and you make a noise, her neck will stretch all the way out from the room that she's in and like slide into the door. And like her big, scary eyes will look at you and like her big snake neck will coil around the room, like trying to find where you are. That's pretty cool. Um, It's very unsettling, uh, but very, very good. Um, The best part, and this is big time spoilers. Okay, Brendan, I'm going to spoil the end of little night nightmares two for you. (laughs) That's fine. I knew what I was getting into. So, uh, like I said, this is a prequel to Little Nightmares 1, uh, and in this game, you are playing as a uh, young boy uh, named Mono, um, and it's actually interesting because there are two characters in this game. Uh, one of them is playable, and that's Mono, and the other one is another child that runs around with you, and that child's named Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Six is the main character of Little Nightmares 1. Right, the, the kid in the raincoat? Exactly. Um, and in this game, it is not a co-op game despite having two characters. And like, I really thought a lot of the time, like they really could have made this a co-op game. It kind of Mm -hmm. didn't make a lot of sense to me as to why they didn't. Um, and a lot of the mechanics of like why there are two characters are like, for example, like you will jump, uh, you will, you will like raise a platform to move six to like across a ledge and then you jump off the ledge and, and six will catch you and pull you up. Okay. So you're um, not like swapping control of the characters. Nope. You're... You are always controlling mono. You okay. never control six, but you can like interact with things in the world to get six to like do the things that you need to do to solve the puzzle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the game sort of at a certain point, like at, at multiple points in the game, there's like this creepy television that glows up and like you have to walk towards the television and you kind of get like sucked into it and are walking down this weird spectral hallway that has a door at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You do this a few different times. And then one time you finally do reach that door and open it and a big slender man chases you out of the TV, like back into the real world. Okay. 
It's not literally Slender Man, but it's like a very tall, skinny man. And like <laughs> might as well be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're they're trying to get a Slender Man vibe. Um, this Slender Man catches six, the non-playable character, um, catches six, and uh, you have to go try to rescue six. And uh, you end up like fighting the Slender Man. Um, kind of like you you have like a un like a unearthed power inside of you that defeats the Slender Man, and you do that, and then you go and find six and like free six or whatever from this evil lair that she found herself in. Okay. Um, this is where shit gets really crazy. So like I said, this is not a co-op game. And like one of the main things that the the NPC can do for you is like catch you and carry you across ledges. Um, you're running away in this like evil lair from like this amorphous blob with like many eyes growing out of it. It's just like kind of like general horror stuff. Yeah. Um, but you're running away from it and you reach a ledge uh, that like six is able to get across, but you have to jump and six has to catch you. Mm -hmm. And like, you're relying on the game to have six pull you up after she catches you and you jump and she grabs your arm, but then looks into your face. Your face is covered in most of this game, but in this moment, like it's not, mm -hmm. she looks into your face and drops you into this like big blob that's coming after you, which is like a shock to the system after like having, um, having that reliability of the NPC to catch you all the time. Yeah. And after this happens, you're like walking around in the blob beneath you and uh, you find a chair and you sit in the chair and then time starts to pass and you're a little boy and you start to grow older just forever and ever sitting in this chair and you grow older and time keeps passing and you're still sitting in the chair surrounded by the evil blob. And as you get older, you finally start to realize that this is actually how the Slender Man came to be because Mono, the playable character of Little Nightmares 2, is the Slender Man. Uh, oh. Six dropping you into the blob beneath looked in. She when you when she grabbed your hand, she looked into your face and could kind of see that you would become the Slender Man. She mm -hmm. kind of like recognized the fe those features now that your face is finally uncovered. Um, she drops you into the blob and you become the Slender Man that will like eventually come out of the TV and like try to chase them and, and destroy uh -huh. them. Um, So like in her dropping you to your doom, she's kind of like stealing her own fate in that moment by turning you into the Slender Man. I thought it was like a really cool reveal yeah. that they did. That's that's kind of interesting. And that reminds me a bit of um, Braid, actually, the way that that game ends. Um, yeah. In turning it, like finding out that actually you're the villain of the story here. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting, though. And how did that like did that feel satisfying when you did it? Extremely satisfying, because in the moment where she drops you, you're like, well, what the fuck? Like, this is one of the rules of the game. You're supposed to pull me up. Like, I can't believe this character would betray me. And then yeah. you're like, oh, she did that because like she could see that you are one in the same with the, the evil Slender Man. Interesting. Yeah, huh. I'll was, have to give that was, one. A, I'll have to give that one a go. That sounds kind of fun. And it also justified why it's not a co-op game, because that moment can't happen if you're playing co-op with somebody right, else. Right. So it finally made sense. I thought um, when you when you started talking about how you rely on her to catch you, I thought it was going to go the way of The Last Guardian, where oh, sometimes it just doesn't catch you. Just doesn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Just the one time. I'm glad to hear it's uh, it's scripted to happen. <laughs> exactly. It's a story moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a long explanation for something that happens in that game. But like, it was such a cool moment that like that really pushed it up my list. I yeah. thought it was really cool. No, that sounds very cool. Uh, okay. 
That was my number 10 game of the year. Uh, Brendan, what is your number nine game of the year? My number nine game of the year is uh, one that I played on Steam pretty recently, but also has since released on PlayStation. So I might pick it up again. It's uh, called Death's Door. Uh, Yeah, it's a top down, like isometric style uh, hack and slash kind of game. Some people compare it to like a Dark Souls uh, in that the the combat feels heavy, like your weapons have some weight to them. you can't take that much damage. Um, I wouldn't really say it goes that far. Uh, it's similar in style to a game like Hyperlight Drifter, if you played that a few years ago. Um, I haven't finished it yet. I think I'm on chapter three of four or five, um, but I'm really enjoying it. Uh, basically, the premise is you are um, death or a death. There are There's like a, a bureau of them. And there are all these little crows. So you're this like adorable little crow with like a cape running around. Um, you get different weapons, swords, uh, light daggers that attack more quickly. And you are trying to collect the souls of these creatures that should have died, but have somehow avoided it, uh, which is causing a lot of trouble in the death world. Like things are starting to kind of fall apart because these souls are are missing so you've got to go out and recollect them for the big boss death. Uh, uh, so you run into characters like there's an old woman who's like a witch uh, and she doesn't want to give up her soul. So you've got to like chase her around her her mansion uh, and then you end up fighting her at the end and she's like throwing poison and shit at you and like hiding inside of her cauldron. Uh, it's just really cute. A lot of the enemy designs are really interesting. Like at one point you fight um, a castle that just kind of like stands up and turns into a transformer. Um, nice. It's very early on. That's like one of the first bosses, I think. Uh, but it's a lot of interesting like things going on. Um, I have to get back to it. I haven't played it as much because it's a kind of game that I want to play with a controller. And I kind of always get annoyed when I have to plug my controller into my PC. <laughs> yeah. So I might end up picking it up again on PlayStation and playing through it completely there. Um, but I would recommend it. It's very fun. I'd say check it out for sure. That's a game that I definitely wanted to get to at some point this year, but I never did. Um, it definitely seems like something I'd be interested in. And I know it was, yeah, it really beloved by a lot of people. I've <laughs> seen it pop up in a lot of like websites, game of the year lists and stuff like that. So some point I'll check that out. Yeah. That's cool. I'm really in love with like the art style for it. The aesthetic. Some of the levels can feel a bit too uh, labyrinthian. Like it's a little hard to navigate like the sure. The, the kind of central hub area of the game. Yeah. But really good. I'm enjoying it. Cool. That sounds rad. I'll check that out at some point for sure. Um, okay. My number nine game of the year is The Forgotten City. Ah, uh, yeah. Which I played on uh, Game Pass on my Xbox Series X. Um, the Forgotten City, a originally a mod of Skyrim, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, the the developers finally sort of uh, broke it out into its own full-fledged standalone game. Mm-hmm. Um, although you can sort of tell when you're playing it, like the bones of it are very much Skyrim. Like even the way that like you walk up to a character and start talking to them and the camera will like zoom in on their yeah. face <laughs> and their eyes go all wide. Yep. It's very Skyrim. It gave me big time flashbacks to that game, which I haven't played in a long time, but I was like, oh yeah, this tracks. Um. The Forgotten City, it's really cool. It's its kind of like an adventure game um, where the whole hook of it is, is you find yourself, um, you kind of get like tricked into like walking into these ancient Roman ruins um, 
and then you get teleported back in time to this these Roman ruins in as like a modern or like in in like the Roman city like not in ruins um, as it was before. Uh, you find yourself sort of trapped uh, backwards in time in this this Roman city, uh, and there is uh, a bunch of people living in this city. Um, who you had previously seen when you were in the ruins that were uh, all golden statues of themselves. Um, and you quickly learn when you're in this this city that uh, there's something that there's only one law in this entire land, and it's something called the golden rule. And essentially what the golden rule is, is that if any one person living in this city commits a sin, and that's as, as, as they purposely leave that very vague as to what counts. Yeah, that's um, what I've gathered from people talking about it. Exactly. Um, if any one single person in the city commits a sin, every everyone everyone living in the city will be instantly turned to gold by like the gods watching over the city. Mm -hmm. Um, which is a cool concept, and like. Uh, what what they do a lot with the game is they play around with like the concepts of morality of like oh well what counts what is a sin like who decides what uh, is a sin and what is not like where do morals come from like is it a personal thing is it a community thing like kind of who gets to call the shots here um, it's a really cool idea that they they mess around with but um, there are characters living in this city uh, the, the kind of the whole point is like you have to. Um, the, the ruler of the city knows that somebody's going to break the golden rule and has like summoned you through a time portal to like help make sure that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so you go around like trying to find who's going to do it and you interact with all the characters living in the city. Um, and there are some characters that like straight up just don't think the golden rule is even an actual thing. They think it's just something that like the ruler has told everyone to get them to like fall in line. Yeah. Um, so you're not really sure what, is going to happen. Right. But you did open the game seeing everybody as golden statues. Exactly. So you yes. kind of have no. this idea like, yeah, I think there might be some, <laughs> some, some villain. Legitimacy. Yeah, exactly. Um, which makes like <laughs> the reveal of like, I, I was in somebody's house and they had like some money sitting in a crate and it said steel. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll see how this goes. Like I could use that money to solve some puzzles and I stole the money. And then this booming voice goes like the sins of the one shall doom the many or whatever it is. And like the golden statues come to life and start trying to kill you. And you're like, Oh shit. The golden real rule is real. Like it's legit. <laughs> that um, sounds awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was a really, really cool reveal. Um, and yeah, basically the rest of the game is like trying to figure out like how to get someone to stop, uh, how to make sure the golden rule is not broken, um, which also will, uh, by some means, create a time paradox, which will make it so that it's impossible for you to be in this mm -hmm. uh, ancient city. Um, those are kind of the rules of the game. And uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it too much beyond that. Um, but like the sort of the story points that it goes to and like the reveals of like kind of the way why things are the way that they are are, are really, really cool. Um the ending I thought was really satisfying. Um, yeah, just like a cool sort of mystery game. And it's, it, and it is time loopy because like eventually somebody will break the golden rule in mm. the city. Um, but like you can set things up where like it will take longer than it should or like sometimes it will happen right away. Um, it's it's a really, really cool game. 
um, definitely worth checking out, especially if you have Game Pass since it's already on there. But even mm. if you don't, I, I definitely would recommend this to anyone who's a fan of time loop games or kind of like simple adventure games. There's not really like very hard puzzles in this. In fact, a lot of them, they kind of spell out for you like very blatantly. Yeah. Um, doesn't take very like extreme problem solving, but it's, it's satisfying it's, enough. I heard it's not super long either. Like, no, yeah, you can knock it out in an afternoon. Yeah, only maybe like four or five hours or something yeah. like that. So not so bad, but I definitely guess, enjoyable. Yeah, it's one that I want to check out. I've been meaning to. Um, maybe I'll do that one of these weekends. Um, there's a character, the very first character you meet every time you start up a new loop. Um, eventually, you can learn enough things about what's going to happen in the city where you can just say to the guy, hey, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. You need to go do all these things to make sure those that doesn't happen. And he goes, I don't know how you know this, but I guess I'll go. <laughs> that kind of solves the problem that 12 minutes had where you yeah. you constantly find yourself redoing things. He kind of yeah. is like, it's a, a fun kind of in engine or in story way to like hand wave yeah. that away. They work around that. Yeah. Instant, like the very first person you meet, you can just have him run all of your errands to set up <laughs> that's the perfect pretty good. loop. I like it's that. really good. Yeah. Anyway, that was my number nine game of the year. I liked it a lot. Uh, Brendan, your number eight game of the year. My number eight game of the year I played on the PlayStation 5. I believe it also has a PlayStation 4 release and it might be on Game Pass. Uh, I chose It Takes Two as my number eight game. Nice. Uh, I played through this with a friend. It took us uh, a couple days actually of like sitting down for maybe five to six hours each day to play through this uh, which was shocking to me because uh, I had played uh, a way out which is by the same studio um, and a similar idea but right. this one was a lot more fun I really love the idea of like the split screen platforming uh, every so the premise is that you play as either uh, Cody or um, I can't remember the woman's name, but his wife uh, each. It's only two only multiplayer. You have to have somebody else to play with you. Each one of you controls one of the characters and they are um, a married couple who is uh, about to get a divorce uh, and their daughter is so distraught by this. She cries over these little dolls she has made of them and their souls get trapped in the dolls. Uh, and so you have this fun like uh, Honey, We Shrunk the Kids kind of like romp through the house and through the yard uh at level one you're in the garage and you have to fight like a, an evil vacuum cleaner that hates you because you threw it away when it was broken uh so now it's angry with you and then the second chapter you're in a giant tree where the the squirrels that live in the tree are in an eternal war with the bees that live in the tree nice uh it's very funny um there's a lot of like little mini games that you play um every level has at least like three of them uh, like there's one that's like a whack-a-mole where like somebody will the person playing as Cody will be the mole and they choose which hole they want to pop up out of and how long they want to stay out. And the other person will have to smack him when they come out. Uh, and those those can vary towards the end. One of them is literally just chess. It's like you you just play chess um, with no other gimmick involved. So they kind of like <laughs> fun. Yeah. Yeah. We, we we sat down and we were like, is this just this is just chess? We're like, <laughs> OK, Um but like you're you're following this book around that the daughter had gotten from the library or something. And it's like a marriage counseling book. Um, and he becomes a character who speaks to you. And he's like the reason you're being sent on all these quests because he's trying to treat it as couples therapy. 
Um, but they're so toxic with one another, Cody and, and his wife, that you don't want them to get back together. That's what I've heard. Yeah, that's yeah, what I understand. You're like, this This cannot end with them getting back together or the whole the whole thing falls apart. Um, and so the story kind of ends really abruptly towards the end. You put on like a little concert and then it's just over and they get back together. And that sucks. Uh, but what's really great is how brutally violent these people are to like all of these characters that you meet in the game. Uh, you ride on this beetle who's like your best friend when you meet him and then you send him to his death in a pit. Uh, the vacuum cleaner that hates you, you use its its hose to to gouge its eyeballs out. Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a there's the king or the, your daughter has like a castle made of cardboard in her room and the king is like this elephant. That's her favorite doll. Um, and you eventually make it to the top of the castle and you fucking torture the elephant like you you're you pin its ear to the ground and then like rip its ear off. Jesus. And you're like, there's this sequence that you you're both pushing it towards like a, a cliff and it is like crying and pleading with you not to do it. And you like rip its eye out somehow and then you throw it off. Do you have any option cliff. to not do that? No, or do you, no, have you to absolutely do it? have to do it. Oh no. It's so brutal. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's so I, I, I want to say great because it's just like, what the hell? <laughs> but it's like at the same time, you're like, why? Why are they making me be this monster? Like, this is my daughter's favorite toy. Wow. We're trying to get back to her and we're brutalizing it. Oh, oh man. God. <laughs> uh, but the levels are really fun. They've all got some sort of gimmick going on. Right. Um, uh, it, it's a good length, which is great because it's not I, I think it's a full price game um but only one person needs to buy it and the other person can right. play it for free um and i had a great time with it i don't know that i would go back to it again unless i was maybe showing somebody else um like somebody who hasn't played it yeah <laughs> I could i'm play waving it with at you. the i'm waving at the camera <laughs> i guess <laughs> i could me. play it with you um it's a great time though uh, i i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't at all say it's the best game i played this year like yeah. some people would, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's definitely worth taking a look at. I think they really nailed the, the multiplayer aspect this time where in a way out, they kind of missed the mark. That's cool. Yeah. I, I, I everything I heard about that game, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people were saying exactly what you did about like, you are not rooting for these characters to like get yeah. back together. So I think that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. They just, they clearly hate each other and like, <laughs> yeah. And they, I, they, it ends up like being like a stay together for the kid kind of thing. But it's like, but uh, you guys hate each other uh, and you're super toxic. And that's not right. going to be <laughs> that's not a good message. That's kind of yucky, but it is what it is. I, I guess the other thing I heard positively, though, is that exactly like you said, like it seems like a lot of the levels have different gameplay mechanics in them. And I guess yeah. just like the sheer variety of different gameplay mechanics was like really impressive. Yeah, it was I always heard. exciting to see like what would come up next. Like they they, cool. they, they introduce in the first level, uh, the wife has a bow and can shoot nails or no, no, sorry. The husband has a bow and can shoot nails and the wife has a the head of a hammer that she can use to swing on the nails. So you're That's like cool. making swinging posts. And I kind of thought that was going to stick for the whole game. But then level two. Uh, the, the wife can spit this like honey and the, the husband gets a, a match that he can blow the honey up with. Uh, so it's constantly like changing what you're doing and how you're interacting with one another. That's cool. Yeah. 
good I'd like to check that out. Maybe we'll do that at yeah, some point. I would should. love to play that game. It got added to Xbox Game Pass like recently, so um, I had not purchased it, but like I was kind of ready to play it now that it was on there, and I, I was just busy with other stuff that I didn't yep. get around to. If it, you so. if you just download the the friend pass on PlayStation, we could play it anytime. Beautiful. All right. Perhaps we will have to do that at some point in the future. Uh, okay, that was your number eight game of the year. My yep. number eight game of the year is Halo Infinite, uh, a game that, full disclosure, I have not finished the campaign mode of Halo Infinite yet. I don't even know how far I am, like how much is left. It might be a lot, um, but Halo Infinite came out very late in the year. It only came out, God, like maybe less than two weeks ago now at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think the, the campaign, campaign just mode. launched, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's kind of a quick turnaround for me to be able to finish that. Um, but uh, what I have played of it is super satisfying. Uh, Brendan, you are n- not an Xbox boy. I should say that I played this yeah, on, on uh, Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not an Xbox boy, but I wish you were to be able to play Halo Infinite. Um, Halo's gunplay, and this has always been a thing. Uh, Halo's gunplay is like the best gunplay in first-person shooters not titled Titanfall. Um, <laughs> Titanfall's great. Titanfall um, is good. The yeah, the the shooting and just like mobility of the Halo series has always been stellar. And like at this point, like in Halo Infinite, I think it's pretty much at an all time high. Mm-hmm. Um, and they introduce things like the grapple hook, which is like a very simple mechanic, but does like allow you to like approach battles from like different vantage points, um, which is really cool and a fresh take. Um. But kind of the best part about it is, is like, you know, the Halo campaigns in the past have been like very straightforward, like run point A to point B, like through a series of chapters and mm-hmm. and see what Chief and Cortana are up to this time. Yeah. Um, and this game, they do have those levels, but they're sprinkled out in a series of like wide open areas. It's not necessarily open world, but like multiple big ass open areas. Kind of like branching hubs. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, it really does feel like the next logical evolution for the Halo series to mm-hmm. do something like this. I'm really glad that they decided to like lean in the direction that they did. Um, it's really satisfying to like, yeah, like roll up to like a forward operating base and take out all of the uh, villains there, take it over, like be able to call in a vehicle from there, like have your freed Marine buddies, like NPC characters hop on the warthog with you and like go drive to the next operating base, um, take that out and then like drive to the story mission. That's also on the map. If you mm-hmm. feel like it, um, it's like not, it's not breaking the mold. Like there's a lot of games that are doing exactly that and have been doing that now for years, but like, I'm glad that Halo finally decided to lean in that direction. And like, like I said, like the gunplay is just like incredible in Halo and is, is really satisfying in that open world sort of setting. Yeah, uh, it looks really good. It's actually uh, the closest thing to convincing me to getting an Xbox right now. Um, I probably hold off still, but it's, it's almost I, done it. It's really yeah, hard to tell you go buy a $500 machine. That's really hard <laughs> to find just to play Halo, which just is also on Halo, PC. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's really great. And um, I am not like a big time multiplayer person at this point in my life. And like even Halo multiplayer, it's like itself. Um, I had played like a tiny little bit of Halo three multiplayer back in the day, but like kind of fell off of that because Call of Duty four came out and that took over everybody's lives. Mm-hmm. Um so like I don't have the rich history with Halo multiplayer that a lot of people do, but like that 
I've played, and that is straight up free to play. Like, not you don't even need Xbox Game Pass yeah. for that. That's free for everybody, which I think is an awesome move for them to do. Yeah, I did um, fire that up on Steam uh, a couple weeks ago just to give yeah. it a look. Um, and it's not too bad with the microtransaction stuff. I mean, that's it's it's all in there, but like it's all purely cosmetic. It's not really a huge deal. Mm. Um, and they've fixed a lot of like the progression systems that people have been complaining about since it came out. They're they're constantly working on it. Like they're really paying attention to it, which I think is cool. Um, the multiplayer, it's just super satisfying. Again, not breaking the mold. It's, you know, Slayer, Deathmatch and and like uh, Capture the Flag and, and all of these sort of standard first person multiplayer modes. But um they're just so fucking good. Like Halo's, it's just so fucking satisfying to play a Halo multiplayer game. Like it's, I don't know. There's, it's, it's one of the best feeling gaming experiences you can have. Um, Damn. And and in in Halo Infinite, like yeah, they've they've kind of they're they're not trying to do too much. Um, and what they are doing, like they they've really perfected. Um, so just that, that multiplayer combined with what I have played of the single player, which seems to be going in really cool places. And I'm, I'm glad it kind of feels like a first step to like what I think the next Halo game could be like incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, this game I just think is really, really good. And for that reason, it took the number eight spot on my list. I wish it's, I do, I don't know. I don't want to tell you to buy an Xbox, but I really do wish that you had one so that you could <laughs> play this game. Cause I think you would yeah. love it. Uh, it's, I've honestly never been a huge Halo fan. Um, right. But it, it does have my interest at the moment. It's really, uh, is there a forge mode in there? Forge mode and things like campaign co-op modes did not launch with the game, but those okay. are coming out, I think in the next few months. I'm okay, pretty sure that's cool. Said. Uh, I yeah. know that the last one didn't do campaign co-op at all. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure about forge. Um, but forge was always forge and custom games were the things that I did like about Halo. It's the kind of thing where like when the campaign co-op mode comes out, like I might be willing to like play through the game a second time to like Mm. see how that changes things up. It's like that, that satisfying of a gameplay loop that like, I feel like that would be a really cool experience. So we'll see. Yeah. Halo infinite, just a good ass Halo game. Like I'm glad that they have gotten back to good ass Halo games after like (laughs) many middling Halo games. Yep. Halo infinite. Great game, very satisfied. Brendan, your number seven game of the year, please. My number seven game of the year. I played on the PlayStation uh, 5. Might have been a PS4 game, though. Uh, it's also available on Steam. It's probably available on other consoles as well. I think it's on Switch. Uh, it's Axiom Verge 2. Yeah. Uh, I had a great time with this game. Um, I played the first one recently. I, well, I tried to play it way back. Uh, kind of ran up against a wall, got stuck, didn't know where to go. Uh Played it again recently, finished it, and then I jumped into this one right away. Uh, and I actually think this one is a lot better than the first one. I think it's a natural progression to what the first one did, uh, but I think they really nailed a lot of the things that they kind of missed on in the first one. Um, but basically, it's a completely separate story. You play as this woman who uh, is looking for her daughter and gets a message to go to this planet. Uh, so you land on the planet uh, and you meet these. They're I want to say they're like almost like Greek kind of God kind of things. Like you break a pot and like a a bunch of flies come out and form into a person. And then that uh, joins your body and gives you abilities. Um, So you get an ability where you can remove your soul and put it in like this little little robot that runs around. Um, But when you're doing that, your body is vulnerable. Uh, So you'll you'll move on uh, trying to find your daughter following these pings to different computers so you can keep talking to the person who says they have her. And you eventually come into this place where somebody says, uh, I can give you the ability 
So your body will keep fighting when you turn into the robot. And you do that, and it turns out they were lying, and they oh. steal your body. Uh, and so you can no longer change back into your human form uh, for pretty much the rest of the game. That's which really I thought cool. I thought was a huge like heel turn, like really cool moment. Yeah. Um, so you're playing as this little like weak little robot, and it has the ability to slip between dimensions. Uh, so you have the one dimension that's like a 32 bit like huge world. And then you can slip into the other dimension, which goes back to an 8-bit style kind of world with the same map system from the first game. Uh, but it kind of mirrors the other world that you're in. So, like, they, the, the maps overlay on top of each other. Um, all right, super exciting. <laughs> it does have some problems where it can be a little confusing to find out where to go. You've always got a ping on your map of your next objective, but actually how to get there is sometimes pretty obtuse. Uh, and you find, I found myself at least running in circles a lot of the time looking for like the one wall that I need to break to get into the next room. Um, and it's just, it's really awesome. It does end up connecting to the first game's story, uh, towards the end, uh, not in a major way, but enough where I would say that it definitely helps to have played the first one. Um, and you eventually find out that like, there's a terminal that will destroy all of these like robot God things uh, and like stop anyone else from being able to activate it, which would like tear open the verge and kind of consume the world. Uh, so the person who stole your body is trying to get to that before you do. And you're kind of like chasing them down the whole time. Uh, really good. Uh, really great game. The exploration is very fun once you get like the ability to fast travel. Um, and I highly recommend it. It, it was pretty short too. probably took me. Uh, maybe 10 hours to almost 100% it. I didn't quite end up uh, completing it 100%, but yeah, I had that drive to and then just kind of fell off. I uh, bounced off of Axiom Verge 1 back in the day, um, but always kind of meant to go back to it. Like it seemed like a really cool game. And then just like knowing even when you were playing Axiom Verge 2 this year, like you had a lot of good things to say about it. And like based on that description, that's a really cool story moment that like I would like to see play out. Yeah. Um, I think that those are two games that at some point I'm going to have to sort of give them their fair shake. Yeah, I, I think two is definitely more exciting than the first one. Um, also, there there's a huge difference between them in that in uh, the second one, you don't get guns. The first one was pretty big on giving you I think there's like 17 different guns or something you can get in the first one. Uh, the second one, you get like an axe. Uh, and when you're the robot, you have like a very short range beam um, that you attack with. So it's a, a lot of melee focus compared to the other one, which is very heavy on the guns. Uh, I think that was an interesting step and I actually think it worked really well. That's cool. Yeah. I'll check that out at some point. Um, Axiom Verge two. Yep. Seems my cool. number seven. Glad that you enjoyed it. My number seven game of the year is a game that really, really surprised me. Uh, and I wonder if it's going to be in your list at some point. My number seven game of the year is Marvel's guardians of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Um, not expecting this game to be any good, I think is maybe maybe unfairly expecting it to be bad because of the uh, Avengers game that came out yes. last year. Yep, I would agree with that 100 uh, percent. But we we must remember that the Spider-Man games are also a thing that exists in those this world. And those fucking games are great. Yeah, those games rock. Um, And, you know, part of that is because swinging around as Spider-Man is an infinitely enjoyable video game yeah. experience. Um, but even like the Marvel-y portions of those games are like satisfying. Um, but going into this game, yeah, kind of a sour taste in the mouth from the Avengers game. But this game really blew me away. Not maybe so much in terms of like the 
gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of structure of the game itself is like very much like straightforward action adventure game, like v- extremely linear. Oh yeah. Um, moving through uh, different environments, kind of like an uncharted game sort mm-hmm. of in, in my mind. Um, yeah, very much. I would, I would completely agree with that assessment. And the, like the combat never really like took, like it never really like went to the next level for me. Like it was mm-hmm. always good enough. And like, I, as you unlock like more commands for the other guardians to like different attacks for them, um, like that stuff was pretty satisfying, like kind of trying to set up scenarios and like kind of take out villains as efficiently as possible. Like that stuff was good, but not like world shattering. Yeah. Um, yeah. But where this game really shines and and it shows in that it, it won an award at the Game Awards is mm-hmm. uh, the narrative of this game, like the story of this game and the characters in this game are like just really incredible. Um, like the amount of life that they they breathe into like these these known quantities that have been in like gigantic Hollywood movies at this point, like kind of taking a fresh take on them and like making them feel even like more likable than those movies have been able to do so far. Yeah, yep. Um, like it really blew me away. Uh, like it just like the wholesome, like teamwork aspect of like the, the guardians, like really coming together as a team yeah. and like each of their personalities kind of developing like over the entire course of the game. Um, like, yeah, I was just really like floored by how, how well they were able to do that and like weave it into a story that like I thought actually was like really interesting for like a, a superhero stories, which could be kind of like bland and, and, a little over the top sometimes this one yeah. was like definitely over the top but like in good ways and also had like very human moments in it i don't know yeah. i was really 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 surprised by how much i like this game I, I really appreciate too how much it trusts the audience like yeah it, it doesn't feel like it ever needs to explain anything to you like it'll introduce characters that if you're familiar with the source material you would know them uh, but right. if you're not it 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 kind of is all right with that it's like yeah maybe yeah. you don't know who this is but fuck you figure it out uh like that dog the what's the dog's name yeah cosmo cosmo i loved cosmo maybe my favorite character in the whole game yeah a known um, quantity in the marvel universe too. Yes, and yeah, yeah. I mean, you're exactly right like they don't rely on you being like well this is you got to know everything about cosmo if you're going to play this game it's yeah. like no they, uh, they make him stand alone as like a, a a worthy character like from from nothing to something for like people who don't know who he is it's great yeah, uh, the whole thing was really exciting. I wish there were a few more um, ship sections, like when you're flying the ship, like in a space battle. I think they and do even like those twice. were pretty plain too. Yeah. Those were, they didn't they didn't really patch those out. I kind of wish they played with that a little bit more. Um, but I thought the story was really great. There, it, it had like some really heavy moments that I feel like yeah. they really nailed. For uh, sure, like the one that stands out to me the most is when you're in uh, the little girl's promise, and it's her yeah. mother's birthday, and you're setting up for the birthday. When you do that the second time and you're trying to snap her out of it, uh, I thought that was a really heavy, like really cool moment. For sure. Uh, and they they really did a great job, like nailing the emotion behind it all and like humanizing Star-Lord who can kind of come off as a bit of a douchebag a lot of the time. Yeah. And, and that's you're exactly right. That is one of the standout moments in that game. And like part of what's great about that game is like having him being, yeah, this total douchebag character, like checking himself out in the mirror. Like his voice actor even sounds like a total tool. Like there, that is the character. And like, that is the established character in like Mm -hmm. the MCU and stuff like that. But yeah, like those, those very humanizing moments of him, like actually like 
caring not only for yeah the the little girl Nikki and her like yeah. fake reality where her mother is dead and she's like trying to put that aside like not only him having like those sort of parenting abilities but also like his genuine care to like keep the guardians of the galaxy team strong as yeah. a whole mm-hmm. like bring them together in like lots of tense moments like his his genuine care to like make sure everyone is in it together and like everyone's getting like along and everything like that. Yeah. Like they really did a lot with that character that I, I, I wouldn't have trusted them to do, but they totally like did deliver on him and the rest of the characters too. And I think there's also a lot of cool, like a lot of games nowadays will have you make choices that don't matter at all. Um, But I feel like a lot of the choices in this game uh, do carry a lot more weight. Like there's one early on that's, that's not as big of a deal, but you get to choose you're going to visit this person who collects monsters and you can choose whether you're going to try to sell her uh, Groot or Rocket. Uh, and depending on who you choose, the rest of the level plays out differently. Uh, I thought that might be the case. Yeah. Uh, so if you choose to sell Rocket, she refuses and you end up in a gunfight and you have to blast your way out of her castle. But if you choose to sell Groot, uh, it's like a stealth mission and you're trying to break into the castle to free him. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, but then a huge one later on is when you're trying to convince the world mind to help you out against the promise. Um, and it is not fucking having it with you, but you have the opportunity to try to like talk it through and like get it to join you. And if you do, it completely negates like a really long grueling battle towards the end of the game. Uh, like there's a room full of like the strongest enemies and you see it. And th- when I walked in, I almost gave up on the game. I was like, I do not want to fight 30 of these fucking things right now. Uh, but then World Mind shows up and blasts them all to hell. And I'm like, all right, hell yeah. <laughs> like, I know exactly I the that. moment you're talking about. And I had the same moment of fear of like walking into the room and saying, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I, this is going to take me forever. It's going to take um, me two hours to get through this fucking room. Uh, <laughs> and I wonder, I wonder if you really, I would, I mean, I don't, maybe, you know, do you really have to fight all of those enemies if you I, haven't convinced the World I Mind to help you? I did not go back to do it, but I know that you can fail to convince the World Mind and they don't help you. So I don't know what, how that scene would play out wow. if you didn't have their help. Yeah. Uh, but I imagine it would make you do something, uh, maybe like a stealth. You've got to sneak past them so they don't force you to fight them. Uh, right. But I wouldn't be surprised if it does force you to fight them. Man, that would be crazy. There's so many enemies in that yeah. room that are just eviscerated by the world mind. So like not having that fallback, I can't even imagine what that would be yeah. like. Um, um, and I kind of want to know what happens if you choose not to pay your debt, like the the, the fine. Um, I, so I did that. You didn't pay it? Uh, I accidentally spent all my money before I was able to pay my <laughs> debt. And then when it came time to pay the debt, I didn't have the money. <laughs> um, basically, yeah, they just like, it, I, I actually... I don't know how much this changes things, but like the only things that like touched on that were like you try to pay the debt and it's just like, oh, you have insufficient funds and everyone gets mad at you like, oh, you spent all of our money. Um, And then in like the closing credits of that game, you're like flying away in your ship and uh, they had placed like a like tracker or like inhibitor device on your ship, like in case you didn't pay the fine. Um, And if you haven't paid the fine. Uh, in like the closing credits, you're flying away and then the ship like stalls and like the power completely goes out. And uh, someone says like, wait a minute, did you guys pay your fine? And then they go, oh, man. And then it's like, that's the end of the game. So it's not really that big of a deal. I don't. Think. OK, that's kind of fun, though. Yeah, it's a fun, neat little thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, there are. There, yeah, the choices in that game do seem to matter. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And like um, you have to convince Cosmo to to snap out right. of the promise and that affects right, right, things. Right. 
Uh, a lot of cool, a lot of cool choices, a lot of great cinematic moments. It was much longer than I expected it to be. Uh, yeah, that was almost one of my complaints was like it was almost a little too long for me. Uh, I kind of I would kind of agree with that towards the end, uh, especially when you're like storming the base at the end. Yeah, uh, some of those fights kind of felt a little unnecessary. I was kind of ready to be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because like you said, the combat is not the strongest thing. Although one thing I do want to touch on with the combat is maybe my favorite mechanic in this game and maybe one of my favorite things that's ever happened in a game is the group huddle mechanic. Yeah. Where when you're when you're like on the ropes and you're like having a hard time, you can hit hit some buttons. I think it's the shoulder buttons and it cuts to this like wacky like background that's just like colors and lines and all the characters kind of run up and crouch down and are like staring you right in the face. And you've got to like give them an inspiring speech. And if you if you nail the speech, everyone gets like a bonus to their damage and health. And uh, if you fail the speech, only you get the bonus. Um, But either way, it replaces the battle music with one of the songs on his cassette. So like licensed soundtrack. Yeah, a licensed song. Yeah. So like I was playing it and I was in a huge battle towards the end. Uh, and I hit the button, I did the thing and suddenly don't worry, be happy is playing over the <laughs> that fight. happened. That happened to me, too. And I was like, this is so good. Like, I love yeah. I love this contrast that's happening right now. I think I did the team huddle in the very final boss battle of that game. Um, and uh, it started playing. Wake me up before you go, go, yeah. which is <laughs> so like so ill fitting for the scene, but like for, made for, it work so much a giant better. Cosmic being. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking ridiculous. I loved it so much. Um. Yeah, Guardians. Great game. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. I believe we both played that on PlayStation 5. Yes, that's where I played it. Uh, a fine game. Really, really surprised me. I was I was very, very pleasantly yeah, surprised. Yeah, I was ready for game. it to just be five hours long, mostly cutscenes. Um, it is mostly yeah. cutscenes, but it's really good. It was much more than that. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Uh, okay, Brendan, number six game of the year for you. My number six game is Deathloop. I played this on the PlayStation 5. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I really liked the time loop mechanic of it. Uh, There are some things that it did that I felt were a little weird. Like, I didn't love that you chose a time of day to visit a place and then time kind of froze. It's not it's not a clockwork kind of uh, loop game like you're not trying to set up like uh, I know at two o'clock this person's going to walk through that door and I can drop a bucket of water on their head or something. It's much more like, all right, this person's in that building during the afternoon uh, and they could just be wandering around the building, but I've got to do something to get them to go where I want. Like, uh, for example, the guy who hosts the party at night uh, in the town, there's a couple ways you can kill him. But the way I always did it is I went downstairs into the basement and turned off the beer kegs yep. or his chocolate beer so that he would have to come down to the basement to drink it. Um and it was an interesting thing, like trying to find out how to get people to go where you want them to. But I do wish it had a little bit more of that, like clockwork style thing where pieces are constantly moving and you've got to like really time things out. Right. Um, but apart from that, I thought I thought the interaction between uh, is it Colt and Juliana? That sounds right. I thought the their interactions were really great. Uh, the reveal of her being your daughter, I saw coming uh, miles away. So that wasn't huge. Um, but I, it was still kind of neat, like Colt not knowing that. Uh, and then the 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 way that they like paint the words on the walls is kind of interesting. And when you run into other cults who are wearing the different costumes that you can get, that's a little interesting, too. Um, but where it really shined for me personally was the uh, protect the loop mode, 
I really loved invading people as Juliana and trying to hunt them down, but I absolutely hated it when it happened to me. So, so I feel a little guilty for liking it so much because I was like angry every time Juliana showed up. Yeah. But doing it, I thought was very fun, especially after completing the game and like really understanding these maps and like knowing the little path pathways through and like the objectives that the person could be going for really helps you like feel like the character they're setting Juliana up to be, which is like the the protector of the loop who knows everything that you could do and everything that you're going to do. Uh, you really you really do get that like power trip as Juliana. But I don't really um, feel like you got his cult. Yeah, um, I can understand that. I I played through this game, too. I thought it was really great. Um, I did not enjoy the Juliana mode only because I was really bad at it. Um, it was really frustrating for me because like, yeah, just like you said, like, you know what the character is trying to do. You know what the person playing as Colt, like what their objective is. So like you can plan your strategy around that. Mm. Um, but that kind of fell apart for me a lot of the time when like someone would be doing some stupid ass thing. Like the, the person playing as Colt would be like running around trying to jump on top of something in the world that you're not supposed to get on top of. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like waiting for them to show up where they're supposed to. And like, they just wouldn't. And then I'd go try to find them seeing, doing some stupid ass gamer thing that like we've all done. Yeah. Um, and like being like, bro, like I, you're supposed to come over here and then we can like, move on with this game, duke it out like we're supposed to and like trying to find them and then inevitably like them seeing me approaching them doing something stupid and then like them killing me and me not <laughs> feeling satisfied. I remember um, once you invaded me uh, and I was in Alexi's mansion and you could not find me. I think I after went everywhere. I think after 15 minutes, you just disconnected from the game. It was so fucking frustrating. I could, so I I can could not find that you. being annoying. Yeah. I think maybe part of the problem was is to that point, I hadn't been to Alexi's mansion as Colt. So like, mm. I wasn't comfortable with that part of the map yet. Right. Yeah. Um, you might not have even known how to get in at that yeah, point. I think that might've been part of the problem. So that, yeah, that, that portion of the game, the Juliana part didn't click with me, but like, I know that it super did with you. Um, the Colt portion of the game really was great for me. I, I, I did not mind the, uh, sort of separating the time loop into like different times of day. Mm -hmm. Like it's not the same sort of time loop that we're used to, but like, I, I kind of thought it was cool to like break it up into chunks like that. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like putting the pieces together of like putting all the characters, like where they're supposed to be to like create that perfect loop. It was really satisfying every time you found like, Oh, this is exactly how, this is how I'm going to break the loop is like yeah. what, that's what you're trying to do. And like when you have those aha moments, it was really like super satisfying. And I think it did a great job really organizing your like objectives, like that, that yeah. branching objective thing that you have that kind of tells you, here's the next step for this person. That definitely uh, helped. I thought that was great. Um, yeah. Otherwise I feel like I probably would have gotten lost and fallen off of it. For sure. Yeah, definitely agree. That made a huge difference for me. Mm. Um, yeah, no, Deathloop was a, was a really good game and and one that I wasn't expecting to enjoy uh, like that much only because I, I think both you and I have like not had a great history with the Dishonored games. Yeah, um, I usually I'll try those once in a while and then kind of fall off. I, I'm what I think this one did right that those ones kind of rub me the wrong way about is the the morality thing that Dishonored does where it's like, ah, if you kill everybody, then the, the city becomes plague infected and and. Uh, right. everything goes bad and it's like, so I want to beat it without killing anybody, but I've never played it. So I'm trying to do that blind. 
Uh, and it's it's miserable for me because I force myself to do it. And I know that that's not the game's fault, really. But this doesn't do that at all. Mm-hmm. And I kind of worried like, ah, but when I go to do the perfect loop, is it going to matter then? Like, because now everyone's I killed is dead for real because the loop right. is broken. <laughs> right. Uh, but luckily, it doesn't do that. Um, and I'm glad I'm glad that it doesn't. I think one of the things I heard from people who are huge Dishonored fans is that Deathloop is like dumbed down Dishonored. Like mm-hmm. people have been going crazy for years trying to get people to like really enjoy those games as much as they think that they should. Um, and and this one, I've heard a lot of people say that it's like oversimplified to the point where like even the hardcore Dishonored fans don't love Deathloop. Yeah, um, I can see that. It's like, if, it's if like Dishonored for stupid people. Yeah. I don't know which you know, I'm a stupid person. So it yeah, works. yeah, I thought it, I thought it was easier to get into. Yeah. So I totally did not mind that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Deathloop, your number six game of the year. Great game. Yep. I really liked it. My number six game of the year is a game I played on PlayStation five. Uh, Chicory, a colorful tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, cute little game uh, where you play as a dog who is the janitor for uh, this, this rabbit uh, Chicory, I having not known anything about the game, I assumed that the dog's name was Chicory, but it's yeah. not. Um, the dog, it's actually really funny right off the bat, uh, like they do in like Earthbound, they ask you, What's your favorite food? Mm-hmm. And uh, depending on your answer to that, that is the dog's name, yep, which is really, really funny to me. I didn't know what to say, so I randomize it and I pick pizza. So I'm saying the canonical name of this dog is Pizza. <laughs> I don't remember what I named mine. Um, yeah, you, you play as this dog who is the janitor for Chicory, who holds a title in the world, a uh, title of wielder. And essentially, she wields this magic paintbrush that is used to, like, fill in all of the colors of literally every single thing on this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an extremely important job that has been, like, handed down for generations and generations ever since this magic paintbrush showed up in the world. Um, but... You are this person's janitor. You're Chicory's janitor, and Chicory kind of like gives up the job. Um, and you, as like a humongous fan of her work, uh, you pick up the brush yourself, and like she she essentially Chicory like essentially doesn't care that like you want to become the next wielder. She's like, fine, I don't want to do this job anymore. I'll just hand it off to like the closest person to me. Um, but you, as Pizza the dog, uh, you have like this ultimate like power trip of like, Oh, I, I now can like do anything. Like I am the wielder. Like, this is great. This is everything I've ever wanted in my life. Um, but sort of the whole, the whole cusp of the game is, is that like, I played this on PlayStation five and, uh, you paint using the analog sticks and you can literally paint literally every single object in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but you never really have good control over the paintbrush. Um, so, like, in the story, you're this person who's been foisted into this this very important artist position, like, even more than an artist, really. It's, it's like, an important person in this world. You've been forced into this role, but you're a terrible artist. <laughs> um, and it kind of leads to, like, a lot of great moments in this game where, like, you feel, like, this really intense, like, imposter syndrome. Like, you're in this position that you should not be in and, like you feel like you're not doing the job that is required. And like, how did I ever find myself in this position? Like, the, I, I wish that like Chicory had never passed this off to me because like, I'm not qualified. And mm. it actually like for a game that's like really cute about 
anthropomorphic animals that are all named after foods and like your main mechanic is painting. Um, it actually like really, really cuts deep to like anyone who's ever created a thing like you and me every week, we create this podcast and it's not like we're out here changing the world. Although, yeah. you know, maybe, <laughs> um, but like it really cuts deep for anyone who's created something and put it out into the world. Like those feelings of like, I'm, nobody like i'm nothing i'm not good enough like this what i'm doing does it even matter like kind of like all of those thoughts like kind of put into this game and and reflected on yeah it, past experiences like it really does cut deep and like i was i was surprised by like how thoughtful it was with stuff like is is like the the those internal feelings that like i don't know what 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 you're doing is maybe fake like it's not it's not a big deal like you're mm -hmm. not contributing to society like as much as you want to like nobody cares like i don't know it's 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 really really deep and like having those moments of like overcoming those those own self-doubts um and like literally there's no fighting in this game outside of like some boss fights like a series of small boss fights where like you literally are fighting like manifestations of your own self-doubts about like your your creativity and and your passions and like all those self-doubts are manifested in the boss fights which are pretty simple but like i thought it was a really cool mechanic for them to do something like yeah, that that's pretty interesting um yeah just like a game that like really really hit for me and like cuts it, it cuts like surprisingly deeper than it seems like it's going to it's at surface mm. level um and is also a really stressful game because you want to paint every single thing in the world and like who has the time to paint every single thing that's on the screen like yeah. it's it's <laughs> uh i don't know it, it's like not a game for people with like bad ocd i, I found when i played I it saying. i found myself doing that like every flower has to be pink every tree has to be green <laughs> It's the same urge as like in a Zelda game, like every single blade of grass needs to be cut on the screen. I need to mow this lawn right now. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a similar <laughs> vibe. Um, yep. But yeah, this is the, the, the story of Chicory and the kind of like the, the, like the, the uh, underlying meaning over like everything you do in that game is, is, is really special. Like I thought it was a really well, well crafted message. Yeah. That's one that I have to get back to for sure. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, which is why it was my number six game of the year. Uh, moving on, we're, we're now approaching our top half of the top ten for oh, each yeah. of us. I know. Brendan, your number five game of the year. Uh, my number five, uh, we've already talked about, actually. I have Guardians of the Galaxy at number five. Um, I won't spend too much time on it except to say that I had a great time with it. Uh, really fun. Highly recommended. I was very surprised by how much I ended up liking it. Um but I don't know. At the time, I would have put it at number one. It's the while you're playing it for the first time, it's like the coolest thing they've ever done with a game. But then after the fact, it, I kind of cooled on it a bit. Like, yeah, it was fun, but I don't know that I'm going to do it again. Um, but I still think it deserves a spot on the list for sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it's not super replayable outside of like making those different choices, I think is, is interesting. would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, and there is yeah. new game plus. So you can kind of like blow through it if you do it a second right. time. Um, yeah, it's the time sink, really. The, the mm. game is just so long that like, I don't know that I'd. And I don't I don't want to skip the cutscenes that wouldn't be affected because that's kind of the whole. It's the best part of the game. Draw. Yeah. So maybe I'll maybe I'll sit on it for a year or two and then give it another play. Excited to play a sequel, which almost certainly will happen after the. Oh, reception yeah, that this I, game I really I would love to see something else. Yeah, hard agree. Uh, cool. That was your number five game of the year. My number five game of the year is uh, Forza Horizon 5. Uh, 
a game that launched on uh, Game Pass on Xbox. Uh, very, very, very thankful that Forza Horizon has finally kind of like gotten the time of the sun that I, it has deserved for such a long time. I think mm. this might be the first Horizon game to properly launch day and date on the Game Pass service, which I think is why it kind of got into so many people's hands. Um, but like it's it, it it is a racing game, but it's also so much more like you can play it in two different ways. Um, you can play it as like a very super serious driving sim game. Like mm -hmm. you can fine tune literally every single component of your car, um, which I don't do. Mm -hmm. um, but you can then play it the opposite way where it's just like a very arcadey racing sim um, driving from point to point. Uh, doing different styles of races and like different styles of cars, which really impact like the different kinds of races you can do. Um, driving around like a giant open world, like finding um, like there's stunts you can do, like big jumps that they want you to make and like certain like drift zones where you can like rack up points and like um, you're every, every single thing you do is contributing to basically like an XP meter um, that's basically the kind of the, the conceit of the horizon games is there's the horizon festival that they hold in different locations around the world, which is mm -hmm. like the different games. There's one in like Australia, there's one in like the Mediterranean, um, and they hold these festivals and every single thing that you do is basically like gaining clout and like followers as part of this festival. Um, and the more and more of that you earn, you earn like showcase races, which are like big like special events that you can do like gigantic cross country races across like the entirety of the horizon map or like racing against like trains and boats and shit, which is like really dumb, but also like really fun. Yeah. Um, it, it, Forza horizon five is it's not breaking the mold of what the series has been, but like, it's finally feels like a perfection of like, yes, like this is, they're really firing on all cylinders. Like it's so much more than just a simple racing game. Like I feel like the proper Forza motorsport series is, mm -hmm. um, I don't, I can't imagine like, I don't know. It's, it's like even hard to think of like people going back to Forza Motorsport after like playing something like this. It's like just so right. much of a, but there are like those hardcore freaks out there that like Gran Turismo and shit like that. And, you know, more power to them. Um, yeah, it sounded like Gran Turismo with like the fine tuning everything. That's like the one thing that I know about that game. And you can totally play that this way. Like if that's your jam, you can 1000% do that. Mm. But I was driving around in like a little like polaris utility vehicle that was painted in uh toy story colors and <laughs> had uh a little like ta-da horn sound um so you can be as goofy as you want with this game and like it will not punish you for doing stuff like that cool um yeah forza horizon 5 uh just glad that like it's finally getting the recognition it deserves and like this is like definitely the best iteration of that formula that they've had so far um really really satisfied as as always but yeah this was this was a special one and it looks great it's the the best it's probably the best looking game i've ever played mm -hmm. and car games are you know car yeah they always are that's how that that's how that works you know that's why there's always a car game on console launches is because mm -hmm. they want to show you how good the graphics are um but this game looks just fucking incredible it's actually i think the only game that i've opted on the new consoles to play in quality mode versus performance mode mm -hmm. um, and run it in 30 frames per second because like the native 4k that it has is just like absolutely stunning cool um yeah so forza horizon 5 my number five game of the year I'm really happy that it, it it all sort of panned out and people are finally kind of getting getting with the Forza Horizon train. It's yeah. it's long overdue.
It looks really good. That's another it's another one of those ones that I would pick up if I had an Xbox, uh, but I'm not going to buy an Xbox for it. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. I can't imagine anyone would. Uh, But that's the beauty of, you know, Xbox Game Pass is that all these first party Microsoft games also launch on PC. So, you know, Mm -hmm. there are options out there. They don't care where you play the game. They just want (laughs) you to play it. Cool. Um, Yeah, that was my number five. Brendan, your number four. My number four is Resident Evil Village or Resident Evil 8, whatever you want to say. I really enjoyed this game. I didn't like Resident Evil 7 as much as it seems a lot of people did. Uh, People were really hot on Resident Evil 7. I played it the day before 8 came out because I thought maybe that they would be connected in a big way. Uh, And I'm glad that I did because it really is connected in a huge way. Um, But I thought this one was really good because I liked the return to like a a Resident Evil 4 style of game kind of before it got super wacky with 5 and 6. But still, while it was like a, a more action oriented thing, less sneaking around the house, hiding from the the bee mommy um it just was really exciting i thought the cast of characters like the ensemble cast of villains was really fun that section in the dollhouse where it turns into pt for like an hour was amazing um i played through it i want to say 10 times the weekend it came out uh because after i finished it i just started speed running it over and over you played it so much i i I remembered this i got it down i think i beat it in under two hours the last time I did it, uh, trying a knife only run. Uh, and I just had a great time with it. It's a lot of fun. It's it's doesn't take itself seriously at all. Like it knows what it is. Um, and then the, the 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 big reveal of like what happened to your character in seven now carrying over into this one, I thought was really well done. Like uh, it's like, oh, no, you died like at the very beginning of that game. You don't remember like you're a you're a fucking corpse, man. Uh, I thought that was so fun um, and I'm excited to see where they go with it. I liked that at the end you have that cutscene of your daughter uh, being like picked up by what seems to be some sort of like government facility. Uh, so I'm excited to see where they take it from there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a great game. Don't love mercenaries mode. Kind of kind of sucks. Who does? Yeah, I liked it in four. Don't like it so much in this one, uh, but I do love this game and it's one that I will go back to at some point and play again. Uh, Resident Evil Village uh, was my number 11 game of the year. So like it just missed out oh, on my bummer. personal list. Yeah, I know. I, I did actually really enjoy my time with it and was having like a really great time in all of like the different villain areas. Just like you mm-hmm. said, like the dollhouse was great. Um, the obviously big sexy vampire lady step on me. Uh, you know, that was, that was great. Um, I think where it kind of fell apart for me was I like really hated the turn at the end where you play as Chris. Yeah. Um, and you basically just become a tank with like machine guns and missiles and stuff. Cause that, I mean, that's part of the appeal of resident evil is like the limited resources, mm-hmm. um, and managing that and, and trying to survive. Um, and then when you become him and yeah, you just fucking mow through everybody. Like that was very not interesting to me. Um, so that was a problem for me, but also part of the problem was, is like, I get so concerned about conserving resources in that game that like, when I get to the final boss, I've got like every explosive, like every missile, like every bomb, I've got them all in my inventory, like unused. So the final bosses in those games, like should be more difficult, but like, Mm. I've got the full arsenal just like unloading on the final boss and it makes it probably easier than it needs to be. But that's my, that's not the game's fault. That's my fault. And it doesn't do the thing that Resident Evil 4 did though, where you can 
one hit every single boss in the game if you just buy a rocket launcher right before you go into it. Right. Um, so while you may have that like power trip, if you're saving up your resources, it's not as uh, like super easy to just steamroll every boss like it is in four. Yeah. Um, but I love that it has the attache case thing. I like that that's back. Love it. Uh, great fun. Tetrising all your weapons into your case. <laughs> Uh, I the one thing that I really wish it let you do is revisit areas once you've like completed them. Yeah, that was kind of upsetting because um, it it keeps them on the map. And there were rooms in the castle that I didn't complete. And then for the rest of the game, I had to stare at this red room on the map that I could not get to. Yeah, uh, that really kind of bugged me. Um, That's a hard time for me, too, because like I have a a. I like to platinum games on my mm-hmm. PlayStation. Like I love to get platinum trophies. Um, and like not being able to do that without starting up a new game, like very much turned me off. And like, I, there's almost no way unless I do it maybe in like a few years where I want to come back to it. Like there was no way I was going to do that in the moment. So yeah, it's kind of frustrating, um, but it was really fun. I, I do wish that some of the characters got more screen time. Uh, they kind of introduce all of the villains right at the beginning uh, in this fun scene where you're watching them all argue with each other and you're kind of getting their group dynamic uh, and then you're thrown out uh, and you have to run through like a death gauntlet and then you're kind of like dropped into the world proper uh, and you kind of face them each one at a time and they don't really interact at all between the characters. Like I think there's maybe one cut scene against the fish guy where he's like um, talking to uh, what's the other guy's name? The the Nicolas Cage kind of character. Yeah, that like guy. On a, he's on a TV. They're like he's talking to him, but like you don't get very much of them. Uh, so I wish there maybe was a little bit more of that. And I kind of agree with you about the Chris part, but I did think that was kind of fun. Like that's the supposed to be the power trip at the end where like big, big, bad Chris is coming in, fucking kicking (laughs) in doors, stomping zombie heads. Uh, I I don't think it overstayed its welcome. I think it it was over pretty quick. That's true. Yeah. It could have been a lot worse. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was uh, resident. Yeah, it was, it was a really great game. Um, I'm, I, I'm glad that you enjoyed it as much as you did. And you really did enjoy it a lot. You were mm-hmm. playing the hell out of it when it came out. I liked it so much more than seven. It's so, in my opinion, I feel like a lot of people are are one or the other with these two games. It's I really liked seven, but I didn't like eight or I really liked eight and didn't like seven. I, it's, I haven't really found anyone who has like a real middle ground on it. Unless that's you. Um, I don't know. I'm not really sure. It's been so long since I played seven that like I can't remember it was just too much of a slog for me i like the resident evils when they uh when they kind of let you fight back a little bit more um even though that does take away from the survival horror aspect of a survival horror game to give you like a big fuck off gun that you can just blast away zombies with (laughs) Um, but i like it i think it's i think it's a good time yeah um okay resident evil village resident evil 8 Village, mm-hmm. some would call it, but that would be an inaccurate name. Resident Evil Village Biohazard 8. The squeak uh, makes you wonder what they'll do for nine. <laughs> One oh, X. Yeah. What was it? It was people were saying it'd be really funny if they called it Resident Evil 6 and you have the IX. <laughs> God, <laughs> they might. They're crazy. <laughs> I think that would be very funny. Uh, okay, that was your number four game of the year. My number four yep. game of the year it was Deathloop, which we've already talked about. Yeah. Um, pretty much nothing different than what we already said. Um, I think I, I guess I was just a little bit higher on it than you were. Um, yeah, the, the 
setup of of getting all the characters into like the perfect loop was like super satisfying for me, which is really weird because like I don't think I like the Hitman games where like I feel like a big part of that is like loops like trying to set up mm-hmm. the perfect things. Like I'm not really into that. So like this was a dumbed down version enough of that where like I was able to sort of wrap my mind around it. And maybe maybe now I'll be able to like fully commit to something like that. I don't, uh, know. I don't know. Hitman's a little bit more strict in like. Right what you're allowed to do. not not what you're allowed to do but what it punishes you for doing right um i think deathloop wants you to have a lot of fun and like hitman does too but deathloop right. is like fucking go crazy we don't care <laughs> uh they certainly didn't care and i really appreciated it, appreciated them for that uh which is why it was my number 4 game of the year uh top 3 we're moving into here brendan your number 3 game of the year my number three game of the year is a little game I played on Steam called Valheim. Uh, we spoke briefly about this. Uh, actually, I guess I, just, I guess I just name dropped it in the games that are in early access. So technically not fully out, but we're counting it. Uh, this is a survival um, crafting kind of style game where you play as a Viking who has been sent to the base of the world tree to destroy these four lords that are threatening to destroy the tree, uh, which is a lot for like a survival game. I feel like most of these kind of games don't have really like a strict story going on. Like Minecraft, you can beat it if you kill the Ender Dragon, but it's never it's never even presented to you in that game that you can do that. This one is very much wants you to know like you're here for a reason. Um, so go do it. Uh, but it's presented in this like it kind of reminds me of like classic World of Warcraft graphics. Uh, like all the characters are really blocky. All the textures are really pixelated, but it does a lot with like post-processing, like the the sunlight coming through the trees is beautiful. The reflection on the trees is amazing. The deep like blues and greens that the ocean has when you're sailing are very nice. Like the water looks amazing. Um, and so it's like a really fun to look at. You can build like little little Viking huts and stuff, and you have to worry about like if you build a wall too high, it can't support it, so it's going to break. So you do have to worry about like your supporting structures when you're building. Um, it gets very grindy around the time you start being able to smelt metals to make like bronze armor and stuff. Uh, you have to go mine finite spots, and you have to carry the items, and everything has weight, so you can only carry so much, and you've got to like build like a uh, a wagon that you can put it all in so you can drag the wagon back to camp uh, and playing it alone it really slows down around that point but if you play it with other people and you've got like a whole village and you're all working together and you've got somebody's like cooking somebody who's mining uh you can really like ramp up quickly uh and the bosses in it are all very interesting the first one you fight is is just a giant stag that uh shoots electricity from its horns at you and you kind of like strafe around it and shoot it with a bow but the second one is this giant golem kind of thing that like shoots these like uh, vine tendrils at you uh, and like these little vines come up out of the ground trying to slap you around. Uh, and like you can the way to cheese the boss fight is you just build a lot of fires all over the place that he will step on because uh, he's made of wood. So he just burns when he steps on the fires. Naturally. Um, yeah. But the the big like, oh, fuck moment for me in the game was when I finally built a boat that was good enough to sail in the ocean because like you start with a raft and like you can go across lakes and stuff, but it's not very fast and it's not very good. But you eventually can build like real boats uh, and I'm sailing across the ocean, having my having a grand old time. And suddenly I hear this horrible roar and I turn the camera around and there is a motherfucking sea serpent 
like giant, like the ones that are drawn on maps chasing me and it starts attacking my boat. And I'm like, I can't fight this thing. And if I Should die in the middle of the boat, ocean, dog, that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I was horrified. But it was so cool, like to have that moment of like, oh, shit, like this, that is cool. I'm I'm not safe here. <laughs> I love it. I've put a lot of time into it. I haven't finished it because, like I said, it does get very grindy uh, and I have been mostly playing it by myself. Um, but what's fun is you don't don't tell anybody. But what's fun is if you go into somebody else's level with your character and you rob them, you can bring it all back into your level. Hell yeah. <laughs> Don't so tell had, the police. So I had some friends that had an always online server. And once in a while, if I was like running low on Surter cores or something, I'd pop in and you know where to find them, help myself to a few. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hit you back later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, a, it's a great time. I, I want to play more of it. Um, but I definitely want to do it with people. I think that's cool. Yeah. That's maybe the one thing that like has pushed me away from that game uh, is even remembering at the time people being like, oh, me and my party are like having such a great time doing X, Y and Z. And I'm like, I just I don't I'm such a bad like I have such limited time to play games that like I'm such a bad party member that like I don't mm-hmm. want to commit myself to something and have people be mad at me for like not being available. Yeah. Um, and for like that reason and others, like I just prefer to play single player games overwhelmingly I prefer to play single single player games than multiplayer games. So like I could play the single player, but like, it sounds like maybe that's not the premier way to play this. No, Um, it it just, it just takes too long if you're playing it by yourself. Uh, And maybe I could be doing it a different way. Maybe I could be building more bases. So I'm not traveling so far all the time. Um, But I like to have like my home and then going out and looking for copper is just becomes a real hassle. It sounded, I mean, yeah, it, Sounded interesting and, and huge response when it came out. People were yeah. loving this game. Yeah, no, it's really good. I, I highly recommend it. Made by the same people who make uh, Satisfactory. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Valheim, your number three game of the year. That's cool. I'm glad yep. that that game panned out for so many people, including you. That's cool. Yeah, it's very fun. Um, my number three game of the year is something that I know uh, you played pretty hardcore at the exact same time as me. Uh on PlayStation 5, uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Mm-hmm. Um, you are also undeniably a bigger fan of the Ratchet and Clank series. Like, even after like we started talking about this game, um, you were like, oh, well, this reminds me of what happened in this one and this one and this one. And I'm like, I never played any of those. I don't have any <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I'm just having a good time on my own here. Um, yeah, I've played almost all of them. Yeah, I have not. I played the, uh, the Ratchet and Clank the one that came out in 2016, the movie one, the movie one. Yeah, I played that one. And then back in the day, like a friend, I never had a PlayStation 2. So like I would play on friends, PlayStation 2s, but like yeah. never played on my own. Um, But even without like that prior love of the series, like this game, I thought was really great. And for a long time, like I considered this to be my game of the year Um, and it very easily could have fallen that way. But like as time went on, I kind of preferred a few things over this. Um. Yeah, it's it's not doing anything wildly different than those games do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not a bad thing when the core gameplay of Ratchet and Clank is fucking always fun. Yeah. Um, like the gun variety in this game is just as good, I feel like, as it's ever been. 
Um, obviously being on PlayStation five is a huge technology boost for them to like pull off like the rift mechanics of like traveling between different like zones and, and dimensions and stuff like that. Like they really put that power to use. Um, and yeah, just like uh, all of the different environments that you do end up finding yourself in. Like I thought they were all really, really well crafted and like fun to run through. Yeah. Um, even just giving you that ability to like mildly like choose your own path and like mm-hmm. like there there are objectives on the map and like you can go to them at like your discretion like i thought that was really a cool idea and like i'm glad that they kind of gave you that freedom yeah. um which i think is another thing that they, they have done in some other ratchet and clank games but that's like, kind of a staple yeah they'll usually present with a few objectives and you can kind of pick and choose what order you tackle them in right um but like every every single world in this game, like felt very satisfying for me. Some of them were like really breathtaking. Like I thought the whole like robot scrap yard with like the 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 guy who like fixes the robots. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. You do like all the grinding on the rails and stuff and fight like the pirate robot guy in that level. Yeah. I thought like that whole level was like really cool. Um, yeah, that scene where the others. giant robot is trying to attack you while you're while you're grinding around. That's yeah, very fun. I thought that was rad. Um, Yeah. Ratchet and Clank, I just, I was really impressed by it. It was just, it's a fun ass game. Like it's a fun ass video game. That's really all you can say. Yeah, it's very good. It was great. And for a long time, it was my game of the year. Yeah. And like I said, prob- probably could have stayed at that point on the list. Um, mm-hmm. So, but top I three, really like, I feel like that's good. Yeah. I really like what they were doing to uh, trying to connect it to the other like Sony properties. Like that one planet that's like the big desert plateau and you can run around and find all the recordings from a, a Lombax yeah. adventurer who was like going through different dimensions. Those are all like nods to different Sony properties. Like he talks about uh, Knack comes up in that. Uh, Sly Cooper comes up in one of those as well. Um, you just get a lot of fun little like nods. And then you get the the Rhino if you if you work for that at the towards the end of the game, which is like the super gun that's in every game. Uh, this one will pull in like robots from Horizon just randomly. Like you'll you'll fire it and a yeah. giant robot T-Rex will drop out of the sky. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah. they do a lot of fun stuff with it. Yeah, they had a lot of fun with that. And I, I had forgotten that. But yeah, the level where it does have all those those call outs to like someone hopping between dimensions and <clears> literally hopping to other PlayStation games and like just like seeing all the winks and nods. And that was like, yeah, that was really super satisfying. I thought Very that was fun, a cool yeah. touch. And I liked that this one kind of feels like it, it might be a good jumping on point for people who aren't super familiar with the series. Um, for sure. But it still has a ton of stuff for people who who are familiar with it, like because you end up in a completely different dimension. So if you're familiar with all the characters from the, the series, you'll recognize all of them. But they're new characters, like they're different versions of themselves. Uh, so I think that was a really good way to handle that. So people don't feel like they don't know what's going on, but people who are coming in kind of do feel like they don't know what's going on you know like everyone's getting dropped into the middle of this pre-existing thing uh, all together uh and i think it was a great way to handle it yeah agreed and uh, yeah satisfying for me as someone not super familiar with the series and uh, satisfying for you with all that stuff as someone much more familiar you were naming care i don't even remember the names but you're like oh i can't believe what they did with this guy i'm like i don't have any pete I have no idea uh eh. He was one of them. Uh, Captain Quark. I liked him being like a pirate. I know him. I got that one. Uh, um, Zerky. Zircon, uh, who runs who runs the bar in this one, is a weapon from a previous game. Um, there's just a lot of fun, like nods. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Ratchet and Clank. 
Rift Apart. Also good to like have like a big standout PS5 only mm. title like where like at that time there hadn't really been that many of them. So like good to like be able I, to finally kind of take that I jump. I do wish it did a bit more with the controller though. I was kind of expecting this to be the game that really went all out with like the adaptive triggers and like all kinds of crazy stuff, but very few weapons really utilized it in a way that felt interesting. But that's, you know, it's a relatively early on in the system's life, so you can't really give it too much shit for that. Um, right. But that's I was something that they'll figure out. Yeah, I was very much hoping this would be like the big standout. Like, look what we can do. Even something like Guardians of the Galaxy, which we thought didn't have as great like combat as this game did. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like they did a lot more with the controller mechanics. And yeah, like they kind they kind of made more use of the dual sense controller in a way that I think will. Yeah, that will come in time. Yeah. Um, so far for me, Bug Snacks has done the coolest with the camera. Hell yeah. Ha- hard agree. <laughs> that snap yeah. on the camera feels really good. Feels extremely satisfying. <laughs> you want to talk about Bug Snacks some more? I kind of do, but it didn't come out this year, so we'll have to save it. I think that Bug Snacks DLC will be game of the year 2022. We'll see. Oh, I hope so. That I love Bug Snacks. Everyone loves Bug Snacks. Uh, Brendan. That was uh, not Bug Snacks, but Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was my number three game of the year. <laughs> well, Ratchet uh, and Clank Rift Apart is my number two. Oh, my God. You still you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I thought that might be the case. Yeah. Um, so we don't have to talk on it anymore. Uh, great game. Highly recommend. Great game. And uh, yeah, it'll be maybe a little while until we have a new Ratchet and Clank game, you know, five years apart between the major releases in the series. Probably, but yeah. uh, they used to crank them out. I think this game sold like extremely well. I think they probably all sell well, but I think this one did like so well that they're probably like ready to make another one of these, Mm. I would guess. Although, I don't know. It's an Insomniac game, right? Yeah. Yep. They got a lot going on these days. Yeah, they do. I would wonder if from this point we branch off and we're we're moving into rivet territory now, if they're going to let Ratchet's story kind of wrap up. Maybe he'll go finally meet the Lombacks and we'll we'll say bye to him and. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I, I mean, there's really no difference <laughs> between the characters mechanically. So, yeah, um, it'd be cool to explore that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, OK, that was your number two game of the year. Uh, high praise for Ratchet and Clank yep. Rift Apart. Uh, my number two game of the year was a game that I wish you had played I wish a lot of people had played this game, but like I know that you had a tough year with Switch. Uh, my number two game of the year was Metroid Dread. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who like is a mild fan, I don't know if my like every 2D Metroid game that I've really given a chance, like I've really super enjoyed. There's a reason that those games are as celebrated as they are. They're they're yeah. truly special um, and and created like, you know, there's a reason Metroidvania is a term like without those like it would be. You know, nothing. Um, But Metroid Dread, I feel like finally, like giving attention to the 2D Metroid space in a way that like people were actually able to catch on to. Like everybody, everybody owns a Switch um, Mm -hmm. and everybody is like, you know, looking for truly great Switch games to play. Um, And this is like one of those that is like a must play for Switch owners. in a way that like the last 2D Metroid game came out on 3DS after the Switch had already been out and like that was such a misfire for them to have done something like that. 
Um, this game is extremely similar to that game mechanically, actually developed by the same people, Mercury Steam. Um, and 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 just glad that like, yeah, it was finally able to find this this style of like Metroid game was finally able to find the audience that it could. Um, but it's really good. Like it's 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 a, like a few other games in this year. And I feel like this whole year, like there's a lot of games that like didn't really break the mold or like do anything like super out there like it was kind of not necessarily a safe year but like not like a extremely bold year i think mm. for games in the way that i would some agree other with that yeah. um this is a 2d metroid game for like all of the good and bad stuff that comes with that um there were hardly any moments where i felt like i really got super stuck i think i had to look up like once or twice just to make sure i was going in the right direction mm. um because if you want to talk about hidden walls and something like axiom verge too like yeah. metroid is the king of hidden walls yep yep and you have so many different weapons at your disposal and like only one weapon will break this hidden wall and you got to figure out which the right one it is um yeah but that's just metroid baby that's kind of yeah that's kind of always been what kept me away from metroid is like i would watch videos of the old ones and be like how do you how are you supposed to know and everyone would be like nintendo power you gotta, you gotta buy the <laughs> magazine <laughs> Uh, I did not buy the magazine for this particular one, but it was never really like a super big issue. Yeah, there was only a couple points where I really felt like it's pretty well telegraphed. Like there's usually like symbols on the walls and doors and stuff that like mm -hmm. tell you like, oh, you need something. You don't have it yet, but like eventually yeah. you will. Axiom Verge tries to point you to those sorts of things, too. Like there'll be a bug crawling on the wall and it'll suddenly go into the wall. And you're like, ah, there's an opening there. Yeah, this game's great. Like the combat's really satisfying. There's like a melee move that's like a counter that you can use mm -hmm. to swipe people away, which always feels good. Like 100% of the time that you use it. Um, that's awesome. Like all the weapons are great as always in Metroid games. Like that's that's nothing new. Um, the really like the shining part of this game is the uh, Emmy chase sequences. Mm -hmm. uh, the Emmys are like those creepy robots that um, sort of chase you through like these different hallways at different points throughout the game. There's a series of them that you have to defeat. Um, and like entering into the Emmy zones and like having to navigate your way through those without being caught is like really super tense uh, moments that like were some of the best moments I think in games in this entire year. Um, they pretty much set up for you right at the beginning of the game. They tell you, look, you cannot fight these things. Uh, and if, if they catch you, like there's like a little quick time event that you can do to break out of it. Yep. But they're like, you're probably not going to be able to do that. So like you really need to avoid these things for everything for like all that you're worth. You need to not just, just completely avoid them. Yeah. And you're like, all right, yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure that you could probably do some damage to them. And you know, the quick time event, is just a quick time event. It's nothing. Uh, you got to avoid these bad boys. Like you, <laughs> the quick time event is nearly impossible because they change the timing of it every single time you get caught. Mm -hmm. um, so like that is not a consistent way to get out of dying. And it's like a one hit kill. Like they, if they catch you, you have, a one in a million chance to get the quick time event right. And if you don't, you're dead. And then you got to start the whole thing over again. Um, it starts you right outside the Emmy zone, right? I think that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's a, it, it, right. Like inside the the most recent door into the Emmy zone, <clears throat> I think that you've been through. Um, so the checkpoint, and that's another great thing about this game is like, it's really brutally difficult at points. Um, but the checkpointing in this game was like really generous in a way that like, I didn't feel like I had to do a ton of backtracking. Mm -hmm. Um, which is great. Like you don't want to have to do that in something like this where like you're constantly making progress through like all these winding corridors, like just to like not have to worry about that when you die, especially in the Emmy zones where you're going to die a lot. 
Like, yeah. I was really thankful that they did something like that. Um, but yeah, just like super satisfying gameplay all the way through. Like, the story was interesting. It's it's literally, I mean, the, <laughs> the announcement trailer, they called it Metroid 5, um, which I think is really funny, um, which is the fifth game in the, the 2D Metroid lineage, I guess yeah. is what they were trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the story in it, like, not having not caught, like, kept up with some of the other games in the 2D Metroid series was really interesting. Like literally uh, you I'd have to like go back and kind of really look at this to be able to tell it to you correctly. But like there's an enemy that like you absorbed in one of the earlier games that like infusion, I believe it was for the game. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes you like immune to other enemies. Um, But like it's you're partially infused with like Metroid DNA because Mm -hmm. of that. Um, and a big part of this game is like there are like when you're in the Emmy zones, uh, like it, there are ways that you can find to defeat them, um, like special power ups that you only get one time in like each Emmy zone. So it's not like a consistent thing that you can just march in there and do like you got to find the way to defeat them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you defeat the Emmys, like you place your hand on them and like absorb a power and like that's how you get like most of your new power ups in this game or like a lot of the new power ups are like additions to your suit. Um, and at the end of the game, like you have this robot companion, like AI guy who's kind of like helping you get through the world. And he literally tells you at the end of the game, like, oh, by the way, Samus, you have become a Metroid yourself. Like the way that you've absorbed like all these powers and like have this Metroid DNA in you, like you are literally now classified as a Metroid. So like you are the world's most powerful Metroid at this point. Damn. Yeah, which is like fucking crazy. And like, I'd really have to, yeah, like kind of look, maybe play those other games to like have the full weight of that moment, like impact me entirely. But like in in that moment, I was like, oh, goddamn, like, yeah, because I think like the whole the whole premise of the game was you were supposed to be eradicating the Metroids like you were. Exactly. (laughs) Your your whole purpose was to get rid of all of them. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And that does pay off at the end of it of like the AI guy telling you like, hey, look, like you are a Metroid, which is great. Like you're very powerful, but because you're so powerful, like we got to control you. So like, don't step out of line and just do everything we say. And then you'd like say this. This game does such a great job of making Samus like so badass, like more badass than like any other character in any game I played this. Really year. trying she's to make like, up for the other M. Exactly. Yeah. No. And this one, she's almost entirely silent. Um, There's only like one or two th- times where she says anything but like this person says to you like hey stay in line and then she just like blasts this gigantic robot with a missile and like explodes it and i don't know it's very very satisfying um yeah samus is a badass this game is badass like it's really fun it's really hard but like not unfairly hard Mm -hmm. um i don't know it's great i'm like really happy that like they returned to the 2d metroid well which i didn't think that was something they were going to do after like the last game flopped sales wise yeah um I'm really glad that they did it and like they did it in such a big way and it's on switch that like a lot of people own that platform. So like, yeah, it's cool that like this has been able to have the success that it did. Yeah, uh, it, it is one that I, I will get to eventually because um, everybody it seems to get universal praise. Um, so it's I can't sleep on it for too long, but I haven't tried it yet. It looks fucking great on the OLED, by the way. <laughs> I would probably play it on my TV. Uh, it also looks great on the TV. It's a good, yeah, solid, like 60 frames per second game. It never, yeah, it, there's never a moment where I thought it looked bad. So I was always satisfied. Cool. Metroid 
Dread. I remember the announcement trailer for that, too, because like I knew like the story of like how Metroid Dread was a game that they were making back in the day, like at, with that exact title. And mm. like it had been shown in a few places, but like never came to be. So like I remember the, the trailer seeing like Metroid 5. I'm like, oh, Metroid 5. That's really weird that they would call it that. And then it said Metroid Dread. And I went, oh, they're doing it. Yeah, I, I see. I didn't follow any of that. But when it was announced, like or right before it came out, people started getting really hyped and talking about how they it was like a canceled game that got resurrected. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a game that had been ruminating in the director's mind forever. Like I like he, I think he's said as much in interviews like I always wanted to do this. We almost did it. It didn't happen, but like I never gave up on it and finally they were able to yeah, push it out. It's yeah, that's very, very cool. cool. Uh, and it's very exciting for everybody who's a huge fan of those too to to finally have cuz it's a conclusion to the story, right? Or it's set up to yep. be yeah. yeah, that's that's what they said as much as it's it's the end of the 2D Metroid storyline. So which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Not that they couldn't make another one of these games, yeah, but like, yeah, obviously. it was. Yeah, it was very cool. I was very happy with it. You should definitely check it out when you get a chance. Yeah, definitely will. Um, good enough to be my number two game of the year, but uh, not the number one spot. Uh, and Brendan, we have now reached the end of the list, and I already know what's coming from you. <laughs> uh, all right. This is, I know you're very excited for this. Uh, Brendan, what it was your number one video game of 2021? My number one video game of 2021 is a PlayStation 4 title. Uh, I played it on the PlayStation 5, though. Uh, and it's Biomutant. I'm totally kidding. It's Psychonauts yeah, 2. That, was... <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Psychonauts 2. Uh, fantastic game. Uh, well worth the wait. Uh, um Super excited to have finally played it. Uh, it did everything I was hoping that a Psychonauts game would. Well, not everything. Almost everything I wanted from a Psychonauts sequel. Um, the levels were great. The characters were great. I love the way it tackles like really heavy like themes, but kind of in a light way. Yeah. Uh, like the they're the alcoholic uh, character who like you're wading through a sea of beer, like jumping on bottles and things is very interesting. Um Maybe my favorite moment was when you were in the Jack Black's character, like his head. Um, I can't remember the character's name, but he has panic attacks. Uh, and the way those manifest in the game is suddenly there's just a bunch of eyes appear all around you on you. And then the 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 monster is the panic attack and it shows up and it's like super fast and zipping all over the place. And like every enemy is some sort of like. Uh, I don't want to say like mental health, like. Every enemy is something to do with like some kind uh, of mental quirk. Yeah. Like, yeah, some there's kind like of... doubt is one of the first ones you you come up right. against. Um, so I love that every one of them is themed like that. And the way they present them throughout the game uh, as like mini bosses at first that then are just regular enemies because everybody has these feelings, but maybe they're stronger in some people's minds. Uh, it was a lot more interesting than just having the sensors. Like the first game was, I'm pretty sure, only sensors for like the enemies. Um, so to have it be something more like in line with what the, the theme of the game is going for, I thought was very fun. Um, and I liked that, the, that it kind of just picks right up where we left off. If you played the first one that leads directly into the Rhombus of Ruin, which was the VR one that came out, I want to say like five years ago now, maybe more. Um, and then this one picks up directly after that as well. 
It's like you haven't missed anything in the story if you've played those time. It's only been three days since the first one ended. I think there's a funny joke where like, yeah, Raz goes back to the campfire at like the yeah. camp that they had been in in the first game. And he's like, oh, man, I haven't been here in three days. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's they, they, they know what they're doing. Um, I do like that we also get uh, more about um, I'm blanking on everyone's names right now. The janitor character from the first one, uh, Ford. Um, I like that we get a lot more of his character in this one. Where in the first one, he was just kind of like the wacky guy who showed up out of your ear when you waved some bacon around. But uh, you actually get like a deep dive into who he is and like who the psychonauts are. Um, and it was just so exciting to, to go back to those characters and meet Raz's family. Uh, and <laughs> and I love that he never becomes a psychonaut even by the end of the game. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, lo- I think that's a great a great little bit where they just keep like stringing him along, giving him like junior titles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a psychonaut in training in this one. And now he's like a, a yeah. What is he is a junior psychonaut or something, something. Yeah. Yeah. He like joins the intern program. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He becomes an intern. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's very really solid. good. Really good. Uh, I thought the opening level, a lot of people had issues with because of all the teeth. Um, Reasonably I th- so. I thought it was hilarious the way the game opens with like a content warning. Like, hey, just so you know, this game has some teeth stuff and that might be too much for you. And, and then here it immediately is. throws you at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Even luckily, as someone who doesn't have one of the like doesn't have that as a phobia, I was like, oh, my God, this yeah. is a little much. It's a bit brutal. Um, but luckily, that's the only portion I think that was really uncomfortable uh, I wish it had a few more um, interesting level designs. Like if, if I think to the first one, there's um, Lungfishopolis where you're a giant in a city of these little lungfish people and you're like climbing the buildings and fighting a giant like superhero. Uh, this one never really pushed it as far as I think it could have. Uh, I think the closest level would probably be the cooking show level. Yeah. Um, but even that, that wasn't really super like out there super exciting um so i think they kind of they kind of could have done a bit more with like the wild things that they started doing like towards the end of psychonauts one it kind of felt like a bit of a step back like to earlier levels in that game and some of the creative ideas that they had like the connecting thoughts kind of thing where like there's different thought bubbles of like different words and like literally trying to like draw lines between them to like implant thoughts in people's heads. Mm -hmm. I thought that was like a really cool idea that like they explored really heavily, but only in one level. Yeah, only in the level where you unlocked it and then it just became like a a traversal tool. Yeah, that was kind of a little bit of a bummer. I would like to have seen like maybe they could have explored that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I really loved it, though. Uh, it could be because I've, I'm a huge fan of the, the series already, uh, but I thought this was the best game of the year. Well, Brendan, I have great news for you. Uh, my number one game of the year was also Psychonauts 2. Hell yeah! Which so we do I, have a gotta recap game We do of the have year. an official gotta recap game of the year. It's Psychonauts 2. Um, I, and I didn't just pick that knowing as long as I have that that it was also <laughs> your game of the year. Um this I played this on uh, Xbox Game Pass, a fucking great year for Xbox Game Pass, like so many great games that you can play on there on day one. Like mm. it's just the ultimate no brainer in in gaming subscription services. Um, I I played this because it was on Game Pass. I, I don't 
think that I ever would have purchased this game. Um, especially like you and me have talked in the past. I tried to play Psychonauts one recently and yeah. like completely did not enjoy it because it had like very, in my mind, like outdated third person platforming controls. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that just made it like very unapproachable for me. Like I could not get myself into it. Um, so like even having that distaste for the original game, um, or not distaste, but just like couldn't get myself over that hump. Cause like yeah. I, if I had played it in the era, like you did, like maybe I would have felt differently, but I just, I just didn't. And it um, only gets worse as you play and the, oh, the yeah. platform becomes more uh, complex. If you can't get past it, then you're not going to. <laughs> that's probably endearing for you as like someone who it's the same thing as like why Super Mario 64 is like my favorite game mm. of all time. Even with me acknowledging like as many flaws as there are in like the, the, as that being like the first 3d platformer, like there were so many things that they didn't know how to do. Um, but like I can look past those. Um, but as someone like who had absolutely no love for the first game of the series, like jumping into this game, um, completely blind and like completely falling in love the, the 3d platforming and like a lot of the mechanics I thought was really satisfying. Like it's not anything Mm -hmm. that's really like life changing. Um, and in some points it's like very oversimplified. Um, so it's not not really anything to write home about, but like the story of this game was like so much more impactful than I could have ever imagined with like some established characters that like you loved from the first game, but also like some new characters in this game. Um, the Jack Black character, I think, is a good example of that. And like the other Psychonauts, uh, just like you mentioned, the um, the level where you go inside his head and yeah, he's got a drinking problem and like you sail yeah. across the ocean of booze and like find out like why he kind of. Like he had like a rough childhood growing up with like mm-hmm. a rough family and like had like fallen in love with uh, the Jack Black character and they got married, I think. And like mm-hmm. a horrific event uh, kind of ripped him away from him and like pushed him towards drinking. Like that was like really super heavy stuff. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, just like you said, all of the Ford levels I thought were really good too. like kind of seeing his own personal tragedy of like having to like falling, also falling in love with someone, but like having to kind of let them go as like um, they became like powerful and kind of corrupted. And like he he knew that he had to stop them, Um, like kind of seeing like the personal pain that he went through having to like do all of these terrible things to someone that he loved so dearly. And like, you can see like how they fell in love so deeply and like these tender moments that are inside his his memories, like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff was like way super impactful, like way beyond what I ever could have imagined in, in like a fun cartoony, like 3d platforming game that like originally came out as, and a double fine game at that, like, which are always like super goofy and fun. But like, this was, this was something much more than that. I thought. Mm. Yeah, really yeah. great. Really great game. I Every level was fun. Um, every level there, was fun. There isn't a level that I, I look back at and I'm like, that was annoying. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, it was satisfying enough from a gameplay perspective. And then, yeah, just like I think really a really heavy story that like I don't think enough people probably paid attention to this year. I'm mm. um, just looking at like Psychonauts 2 not getting a lot of love around the industry and like game of the year times. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of, yeah, maybe a, a little personally frustrating, like feeling <laughs> like it's it's more than it's being made out. To like be it's getting kind of looked past. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably more frustrating kind of like for a, you. A cult classic, though. It was never a huge main line. Like the people who love it really love it. People right. who most people don't really know about it, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of where I was coming from, which is why it was like such a revelation to me that like this game was as good as it was. And it ended up taking the top spot on my list. I wasn't sure if it would. And again, I kind of like wavered between like the top three games on my list. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, like, yeah, just thinking back on it, like those moments in this game were like much more impactful to me than I think anything else I experienced this year. It was really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to go back to it eventually. I may as well. I might pick it up on PlayStation to get the platinum trophy like I was that satisfied with it. I might yes. just um, actually get that purchase it. Um, yeah. I do wish, though, it had maybe a new game plus because um, the completion oh, reward. No, Ooh. Uh, the completion reward for the game uh, removes all your cooldowns for your abilities. Uh, so you can like fire endlessly with the brain blast move and you can do all your moves as much as you want. Um, but at that point, you're done. Like there, there's literally nothing left to do by the time you get that. Uh, right. So it, it feels kind of like a non reward. That's fair. Yeah, so I wish I wish I could play through it again with that and with all my badges and with everything that I'd collected uh, and just blast through the game like super OP. <laughs> As a 3D platforming game, there are tons of things to collect in this game. So the, just even you telling me, I did not know there was not a new game plus. So like knowing that that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they give you many opportunities to like go back into levels that you've already. Oh, yeah. You can go back to any level at any time. Uh, you have right. this very easy access uh, menu where you're floating around a brain with a bunch of doors. And they did this in the first game as well. And every door leads back into somebody's mind. And they've got, they're really well marked. Uh, there's like little picture frames hanging around the doors. And each one represents one of the collectibles in the level. And it'll be lit up if you've got everything. Uh, so it's pretty easy to go into that and kind of tell what you need to do still. Right. Um, uh, and it never locks you out of that. That's good. Yeah. Maybe at some point I will go back to it. Um, yeah. Just a really, really great, a really, really great game mm -hmm. that I was not expecting to love as much as I did. And I knew that you would love it as much as you ultimately did. And I'm like super happy for people like you who have been like dying to play this game for like 15 years or whatever yeah. it's been. Um, like, I think it's awesome that like it was able to pay off for people like you, but also like rope in people like me who, you know, mm -hmm. weren't weren't already on board there. Yeah. Yeah. My only regret is that I didn't back it. So my brain isn't in the jar. Yeah. I, you know that when I got to the brain jar with the, the hall of brain or whatever it was called, <laughs> I was looking for your name and I did not see it in there. I was, I didn't do it surprised. because I didn't trust them after what happened with broken age, but I That's regret fine. that. Yeah. That's fine. I can understand that. Uh, you'll get them next time for Psychonauts 3 when they kickstart that game. That'll happen, Hell right? Yeah. They probably won't kickstart it now that Microsoft owns it, but you're going to have to buy an Xbox, my boy, to play Psychonauts 3 in 15 more years. I was actually, when, when they announced that they bought uh, Double Fine, I was so terrified that they weren't going to put it out on PlayStation. You uh, were uh, probably ready to go buy an Xbox at that point. I would have. I would have bought an Xbox if I couldn't play this on PlayStation. Well, luckily it didn't come to that. Although, you know, after talking over this list, you know, there's a lot of games on here that I, I don't know. I just, I think maybe you should think about it at least. I'll, I'll consider it. You get a Series S, you know, it's like a little <laughs> less powerful, $300, though, so it's not too yeah. much. I'll, I'll think about it. I think it's definitely worth considering. Um, Brendan, this is a fine list of games that both of us have compiled here. I guess, well, so by default, uh, we have a top three games of the year, actually, because there are three shared games across our lists. Uh, Psychonauts 2 being number one, 
uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart being number two. Those both placed pretty highly for us. And then mm-hmm. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy being number three. Yeah. Three solid games. Not disappointed in that ranking at all. Yeah, no, I, I'm happy with that. It's been a really good year for games. Um, next year, there's tons of games slated to come out after we talked about, you know, a lot of delays and things getting pushed back. Mm-hmm. Um, next year, I think, is going to be an even bigger year. But uh, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't call this a transition year. Like, I don't know. These these titles that we're looking at here were, like, actually really super solid. Yeah, um, it was kind of a light year, I think. But what we did get, uh, a lot of it was very good. Um, yeah, very high highs, for sure. Yeah. Setting. Good stuff. 2021, we had fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was our Game of the Year podcast. I hope everyone out there enjoyed it. We've been going for a while here, but that's sort of the nature of Game of the Year podcast. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're already uh, invested in something like that, I hope that you enjoyed this. Um, you know, we on this podcast is, is it is a Samurai Jack rewatch podcast, but um, obviously you and me have other passions. Uh, Video games high atop that list. Yeah. Um, if anyone out there like really enjoyed this and, and is interested in us making more video game content, um, you know, definitely let us know. Got to recap at gmail.com. Um, email us there. Let us know if this was something that you enjoyed and that you want more of. Um, you know, you can email us there and tell us that this was something that you didn't enjoy and you never want us to do it again. Um, we will we will take that feedback very seriously. Um you know, we want to do more things with this show. So uh, let us know kind of what you're looking for. And we'll we'll be happy to kind of craft that around people's expectations. Yeah. But this this is a lot of fun. It was a fun exercise. I've never gotten to record a game of the year podcast before. And uh, I'm tired. It yeah, was a, that, that it was, was a long one. It was rough. <laughs> it's very fun, though. I had a good time talking about it. I had a good time, too. And uh, there are and so many more games we could have talked about. So um, many games that, yeah, we we. Each of us played and never touched on. Bowser's Fury was pretty good, huh? Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, Bowser's Fury, we didn't mention. Uh, there was another one that I was just looking at that I feel like Kana I Bridge of Spirits would have come up. Yeah, Kana, that's one of them. There were man, yeah. a lot this of good stuff. Stronger uh, Pokemon year Snap. Than... There was a Pokemon Snap game this year. Yeah, the year was... of our Lord two thousand twenty-one. Perhaps there's a reason we didn't talk about that one. That, <laughs> I don't know. Almost made my most disappointing game list, but I kind of <laughs> knew that it was going to be what it was. So, you know, I'm not that it didn't make it. it to mind because I forgot about it. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. You could have put that under the remember the this day. one category. <laughs> I could have. I guess I probably should have. Uh, <laughs> that's OK. Uh, I'm thankful that that game came out anyway and mm. uh, thankful for all of these great games that came out this year. Um, and again, thankful for everyone who listened to this podcast. Hope you had a good time. Let us know what you thought. Uh, we will. We would love to read over that feedback. Um, until next time, Brendan, uh, keep on tw- twiddling those thumbs and pu- pushing those buttons. Keep on keeping on. Uh, so long, gamers. <laughs> Big sexy vampire lady, step on me.